3: Fast. Um I would say with Blake, you know, it's either three or
4: four steps to where he's he's up to full speed. And that's you can't get you can't get to full speed much faster, I've noticed. Um and he's able to do it.
5: On the left, Aaron, Jimmy praised your assistant coaches on Saturday talking JJ up from a 30000 foot view. Is this program as good as it's
4: Uh, yeah, I wouldn't – I don't think that would be going out on a limb. What did you think of uh, Hauser Michigan State's new starting quarterback? He did some really good things. Um, he uh, was impressed. And a uh, very young guy making his first start. Uh, it was the uh, most impressive performance.
2: On the left, Isaiah. Uh, Colombo was out this last week. Do mm-hmm. you we have an update on where he's
0: at and is he going to be available anytime soon to your house? Uh, Soon. On the right here, Ryan.
5: Yeah, how much is the I guess the understanding of the system, especially in year three <laughs> of the defensive system, contributed to the increase in Obviously, the offense going back to you know your bread and butter just these past three years contributed to the lack of penalties and just you know strong execution across the board.
4: I think you know I I, I agree. I think uh, don't argue with that at all. Uh, actually, agree that yeah, the defensive system has stayed intact. Um, you know, it was brought here. Mike McDonald, but Mike and Jesse, you know, we're at the we're at the Ravens together, um, and then when Jesse came, it was it was uh, very similar, very similar, not exact. I mean, each had put their own their own twists on it. Um, you know, Jesse definitely more from a secondary perspective, uh, and I think our secondary is playing uh, you know as well as it ever has, or you know maybe it's on path to be uh, the best we've had. Um, but it's the structure. The uh, you know many many of the calls have are, are the same. The uh, you know the, there's a there's a simplicity to it that makes it very complicated for the offense and it allows the players to uh, you know really be put in there in position to be successful. And there's and there's there's a lot of answers. Um, and so I think that's definitely a contributing factor.
5: in on certain things and be able to kind of add more to the arsenal of, over time
4: and be able to kind of you know i guess modify and, and maybe improve over the course of that period. Um, yeah I, I, w- I would i, I would agree um, you know as as pointed out uh, after the Saturday ball game it's you know the, the, the coaching the uh, the way they work, you know the uh The um, collaborativeness, the camaraderie, the leadership by Sharon um, Moore—you know—he's been been consistent, been uh, been been outstanding, and you know he's doing that. And he's calling the plays, he's coaching the offensive line, coordinating the offense. I mean, it's—I know the players appreciate it. Um, I appreciate it, and I'm I'm sure uh, the Michigan faithful. Appreciate it, and we're lucky. Um, he's done a he's done a tremendous job.
6: Alejandra, Jim, it seemed like the team had some st- struggles in the college football playoff being playing on the natural surface for the first time all year against TCU going into a grass game. Do you take any lessons from the TCU
4: game do anything differently? <clears throat> um, we're going to practice on grass this week. Uh, and, yeah, we've had success on grass. You know, we've. And the last game we lost was on grass. Uh it's about the the only thing different to to do is not gonna be anything different. We're gonna we're gonna prepare on the prepare to practice on the grass like we've done in the like we've done in the past. I think it's the best we can do.
6: You know. In the back there. Um, what do you have to say about this 3 year
0: stretch
4: of playing Really solid football. Um it's been a it's been a uh, it's been a happy mission. Um, thing I've noticed the most: you know, the, the guys play for each other, and uh, and so do the coaches. I mean, I think it'd be any sports team, any sports organization, any business. You know, would probably kill for the the kind of culture and uh, and vibe that uh, that we enjoy on a daily basis.
2: excite you a little bit? Did you even think about it? Or were
4: you still, still caught up in the moment that you didn't even really have much thought? Uh, just yeah, glanced at it and uh I couldn't I couldn't repeat it to you right now. Yeah it's really uh it a, Seems seems exciting. Yeah. Nothing else? Cool? And we kind of take the try out of that. We just do it. We just. <laughs> so,
2: you are at nine hundred ninety-six wins, or four wins away from becoming the first program to hit the millennium mark. Uh-huh. Have you given any
6: thought to what that would mean for this program, and is that a motivator for your team?
4: Yeah, we give that thought. We do give that thought. I mean, if anything's, um, maybe maybe Brad and we do our uh, our uh, post-game or uh, post press conference chat, we could we'll show you. We got we keep track of them. We uh, we have a big scoreboard up there of uh, the amount of wins. <clears throat> um, be happy to show that to y'all. Um, and yeah, things things to uh, to do because I mean that's that's a culmination of 144 years of Michigan football. Uh, you know, no team has one more. We'll be the we'll be the first. Uh, you know, to get to a thousand. Uh, God willing, and the creek don't rise. Um, and then, you know, what ways to honor that? What ways to, to celebrate that? Um, you know, I've come up with uh, come up with a lot of ideas. You know that um, that we want to that we want to that we want to do. One of them is to um, I want to get an M ring to uh, every coach that's coached here a certain amount of years. You know, five years. Uh, maybe seven, maybe uh, and staff. Same thing. What, maybe a number, a criteria number. They're here so long, but just so much has been contributed. Um, you know, from Yoast to uh, you know to to where we are now. That uh, and all in between. There's there's so many things that yeah make the little hair on my arm stand up. That uh, that we want to do. I love the uh gotten some ideas from uh just different people that I've talked to. I can't take credit for the ideas, but uh, you know what if? I mean maybe like in the in the end zone there was Michigan was spelled with a one a one G instead of an IG. Uh, you know, the M, you know that's that's a Roman numeral for a thousand. There'll definitely be a sticker on the uh on the helmet. I noticed that uh, uh I thought Deion Sanders had a great idea where he gave suits to uh to all the players. I would love to, you know, have a suit with a you know, Michigan a thousand on there. There's I'm sure there'll be lots of T shirts and and uh and memorabilia. Uh, cool stuff. What else we got, Dave? I know your wife's your wife's working on it, you know. Just uh yeah, celebration, uh, you know, and hopefully it's hopefully it comes this season. We're working really hard to make that happen. Um, so that is that is definitely one thing that that is causing some nostalgia, you know, uh, for sure. That's 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 huge. That's that's really that's really big, and so yeah. Jim Harbaugh
1: continues to talk glowingly about his quarterback, J.J. McCarthy, and for good reason. McCarthy, the Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week for his effort in Michigan's win over Indiana. Harbaugh would go on to say he is a generational quarterback and could leave as the best to ever play in Ann Arbor. Up next for Michigan, a date with Michigan State. Spartans continue to struggle now. Four straight losses, including giving up 21 points to Rutgers this past Saturday to lose 27-24. It's been an uphill battle for interim head coach Harlan Barnett, though this rivalry does seem to bring out the best in the green and white. Let's take it to East Lansing and join the Michigan State interim head coach.
7: Hello, everybody. Good to see everybody made it back from New Jersey. Um, uh, Looking forward to this week's game. As we all know, it's a a big game, and uh, our guys are locked in and already looking forward to it, and should be a great week.
0: Harlan, obviously the last four weeks haven't gone how you, how you guys wanted. Does uh, there any, Michigan's a very good team. Is, it, is there anything to the rivalry that can help refocus you guys and just you know, try and get out of this funk with the challenge ahead?
7: Well, um, you always are just trying to get better no matter what, a rivalry game or not. Definitely you can, it can bring some more focus to it though. And uh, we talked about having great attention to detail and so, um, but as far as, you know, if it's Michigan or not Michigan or what have you, we just need to start playing better. And now it's about finishing. So that's our next step. we got to finish, and we're looking forward to doing that this weekend.
0: Uh, but with, uh, you, you, Mark obviously had a lot of success in this rivalry, and you were here for, for all of those wins i know he's more of an advisory role or consultant but is there anything that he adds to this week because of the way he prioritizes rivalry that that can maybe help you more
7: than you know than just something unique right uh because he has a secret formula to success i can't share so i'll just say it that way if that's okay
8: harlan you're a you're an upbeat guy by nature how hard has it been to stay that way?
7: Because you have to be that way for your team, don't you? Absolutely, Fred. Um, I'm not gonna lie. Saturday was a gut punch. That was a gut punch. Like, ooh. but you know, as a, as a man, as a leader, you know, you have to step up in those situations and try to just get understanding of what it's all about, the big picture, and then uh, relay it to the to the young man. You know, I told them, hey man, in life, adversity is gonna hit. And that's when you find out who a person really is in the, in the midst of adversity. And so uh, I'm no different. So I have to step up and, and, and be the person I, I say that I am and, uh, and present that to them so they can have an example to possibly look to. Is it harder
8: to bounce back from a game like that? Or in a strange way, can it help you bounce back because they're so hacked off at the way they gave it away? That's a great question.
7: That's a great question. I think it can work either way. Um, I, we said the 24-hour rule, and sure enough, 24 hours—you gotta, you, you gotta get rid of it and let it go. And so, um, I, I think it's it just mentally how you, how you look at it and how you receive it and attack it. So, um, for me personally, it, it's, it's, a, and it's an attack mode. You know, we lost four in a row, so now it's just attack mode. Just keep attacking. Eventually, you know, it's gonna turn. And so. That's,
9: that's how I think. I'm wondering about the special teams' mistakes the last couple weeks, couple games. Uh, what kind of things are you working to fix with that? And what did you see when you look back on the tape between uh, the, the end of the Iowa game uh, and then the two mistakes there in the fourth
7: quarter? It's all about, uh, like I said before to the guys, great attention to detail. Things that have been covered. You can't, you know. So I I told her guys this. Shout out to my father, rest rest his soul. But he used to have a bunch of sayings, right? A bunch of sayings. And uh, one he used to say all the time, I remember from, I was a little guy. But he used to say, when the crowd starts hollering and the lights get hot, that's when I want to know if you can do it or not. And so Quip's time, when the game is on the line, can you perform and do what you're supposed to do? Attention to detail, discipline. Do your job. You don't have to do anything extra. Doing your job is making a play. And so, um, when our guys get to that point, the offense, defense, and special teams—that's when we're going to be playing to the best of our potential. Late in games, trying to finish them out, and you—you you just just do it, just being disciplined. Because again, doing your job is making a play.
10: Harlan, Michigan, obviously a good team so far this year. They haven't played a schedule that maybe lets people know exactly who they are. But I'm wondering what you see when you watch them and what sort of challenges they present uh, compared to anybody else you face this year.
7: They're, they're very disciplined uh, in, uh, in what they do, offense, defense, and special teams. Uh, they play hard. Um, and they, uh, like they have a, a good passing game as well as running game. They got a good balance. And uh, they just do a good job. They do a good job of coaching those guys up and putting them in position to make plays. A good football team.
0: Harlan, from your time as a player to now, what has changed the most in this rivalry for you?
7: What has changed the most? Um, I don't know if much has changed. So as a player, uh, didn't win as many as I would like to have won. But as a coach, have one more. So that's changed uh, the winning aspect from my personal uh, perspective, if I can say that.
0: Harlan, obviously, everybody remembers what happened after the game last year. I was wondering what you thought about where the team's at. And is that something you address going into this week with, with what happened and maybe keeping stuff on the field?
7: That's, that's, that's it. We're focused on this year and, uh, and just playing the game 11-on-11 11 11 on the football field because that's all that matters, um, and, uh, and that's, that's where our, our focus is. 11-on-11 you know, 11 11 on the football field. You get plenty of chance to get out there and get after them and play hard and all the other stuff, You know, move, we're moving forward past that.
6: Do you sense that this week has been different for your guys at all?
7: Well, we just got back together today, this morning. So we had the practice um, but already to say it, yes, you know it's only been you know today, but yeah they know what it is they know what it's about and uh the very the importance of this this game to to us here at Michigan state
6: I guess kind of in what ways has it been different? you mentioned you know the twenty four hour rule and turning the page quickly something like this uh, do you think it has helped them to move forward
7: Yes, I think so, I think so knowing that hey we got this team coming up and 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 I told them, let's be honest about it. They don't care that we we lost the last four games. You know, they're going to come after us no matter what, right? And we would do the same thing, right? So we got to get ourselves together and and move forward. So that's why the 24-hour rule was so important.
8: Harlan, I don't want to goad you into saying anything and get you in trouble. (laughs) But Coach D made this rivalry personal. He called it personal. He revived the rivalry with his actions and it's always been personal to you. Do you have to sell it all on your players or do you bank on it being personal to them
7: too if you know what I mean? I do know what you mean. So you, you go back to Coach Perlis, that's what I always go back to because that was my head coach here and how he talked about it and gave the history of it and all of that. So. In today's world of transfer portal and all of that, and you, you're trying to get them to understand as well. You, you try to get them to understand because you don't really know until you play in it. And so you might even even some guys you're trying to hey man, this is serious. This is big time. You know it's a, it's it's the best rivalry in football in my opinion. And so you 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 you're trying to tell them, and, but they sometimes they just don't know until they play. I've heard many guys say even if it was freshmen. In, in their first uh, game against these guys, uh, say, oh, I see what you mean now. So sometimes it don't matter. You can say all you want throughout the week. It's not until afterwards sometimes, or once they get in it, do they really understand what you've been trying to tell them. That leads to me
8: to ask you when it became
7: personal for you. Was it when you played in it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Coach Perlis, you know, I, I blame Coach, Coach Perlis. I always say that rest is so but uh, I blame, but uh, yeah he 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 got me fired up that's all and then I've been that way ever since 1985 man so it is what it is um, and so I, and I always say this too I think it's great for the state of Michigan I I really do I really do cuz in this state you grew up one way or the other you know so whenever I go out recruiting in the state I say who you grew up rooting for they they're going to tell you one or the other. You're going to get one or the other. And, uh, and, and, and you kind of know where they stand. Most guys stand. But you always going to act in this state. And like I said, it's great for the state. It really is. You're an Ohio
8: guy. You didn't have any aversion to them until you came here, right?
7: That is correct. That is correct. Because I, I was different. Some people may think, well, weren't you Ohio State? And then you didn't like them. I was more. I watched more pro ball. I ain't gonna even lie to you. Growing up, I watched. I did watch college ball, but I wasn't into it like that. I was more of a pro football guy, just watching them, and just enjoyed watching college football. So it wasn't until I got here, like I said, and listening to Coach Perlis tell you know tell us about the rivalry and how it came about, the history. Um, that's when I really really got into it. With
6: Kayton, this will obviously be his first start against Michigan, his first time starting at Spartan Stadium under the lights. What makes him ready for this moment against Michigan?
7: Well, he's a, he's a college football player. Um, he understands what he was signing up for when he signed a scholarship, and uh, and this, and this, this is the, one of the reasons why he chose to come to Michigan State is to play in games like this. Uh, he came from a big-time high school program out there in California at Bosco, and so he's I mean, not that Bosco is playing this type of game, but he's used to big-time atmospheres and and high expectations. So expecting him to do and and have a great game.
4: Harlan, when you you look at their run game, it seems like they do some things that you just don't see a ton anymore and with how physical they are and their style. What are the keys that you see that that makes that thing work for them uh, with their run game?
7: Uh, Their their discipline and how they uh, attack everything they do. So they know, you know, each, you can tell the offensive line is in sync along with the tight ends and they're in the running back. Everybody's in sync and understanding uh, their assignments. And so that's what they do good.
4: And sort of flipping around defensively, they've only allowed 10 points once and every other game I think was single digits. So what are you noticing that they're doing well
5: on that side? Same
7: type of thing. They're disciplined in what they do. They understand where they fit and where they need to be in their assignments. So uh, that's, what, that's what good teams do.
6: You said you don't know until you're in it. Um, Whether it's coaching in this rivalry or playing in this rivalry, do you have one specific memory that kind of defines it? Again, other than that, like, oh, this is what it is. But do you have a game, win or loss, or anything that you're like, okay, this is what it's about?
7: Minus 48 yards rushing. (laughs) Simple.
6: Thank you. (laughs) You're
9: welcome. Uh, I'm wondering, looking back at the Rutgers game, Kind of two things on either side of the ball one um khalil majeed coming in for malik and i saw malik came back late but what's the situation there was that a place performance issue or was it injury
7: malik got a little dinged up Mm -hmm. but like you said you saw him come back in so he's good he's ready to go but that it was more that he got a little dinged and make sure he was okay
9: okay And, and secondly Two receiver fumbles, uh, the one play to Malik um, Carr uh, that he had it stripped from him. Uh, with that, I mean, you mentioned the attention to details. How do you work with that with the receivers? And was, with that play with Carr, was there a thought to challenge that?
7: Uh, no, I, you clearly saw the guy made a good play. I was standing literally right there. I mean, it was a kept and he, and he swatted it out. What we say, hook and swat, as defensive backs, and that boom, boom, and he got it out. I, mean, I saw it. I saw it right there, then and there. Um, but we got to continue. We've been talking about the turnovers and penalties and things like that. And the penalties were down this week. And uh, we got to continue to work on getting the turnovers. Down we have to just secure the ball you know, the best we can. I, I even talked about you know, getting two hands on it some kind of way as soon as you catch it and tuck it away quick and put two hands up there, no matter whatever you have to do to secure the ball. So we're working on it. Our offensive staff is a heck of a staff, and, and they're going to keep working on it and getting our guys to where they can hold on to the ball once they have it.
0: I was wondering about the, the backfield rotation. Uh, we saw more of Jalen on, on Saturday. He looked like he's getting healthier. Is, is he almost 100%, and I guess is Harold Joyner now just like the permanent third running back after, or third on the depth chart and more pass pro than after bouncing around all those positions?
7: Yes, uh, yes to to that uh, question um, on, on everything that you said. Jalen Berger, I thought, looked really good out there on um, on Saturday. He's from Jersey, so he probably had a little extra juice, but he, he looked good. I thought he looked good. Uh, of course, uh, Nathan Carter is a heck of a back end, being able to use Harold. Uh, uh joiner out there he does a good job he understands had a nice little run um so that's a good complement of backs i think that we have right now and uh, they do a good job
11: hey harlan uh, just going back to the rutgers game the players after the game you've watched the film now but the players after the game i think all of them said made a point that rutgers played hard till the end they didn't come out and say that maybe you guys didn't play as hard, or you guys didn't play hard. But I'm
0: curious what you saw. If you saw any, any give on your guys's part when things started going south there at the end.
7: I'm not gonna necessarily say give. It was it was the discipline thing I'd mentioned earlier. You know, uh just just doing what you're doing your job, doing your job. So, sometimes when things start going awry, guys will feel like. Not only do I have to do my job, I got to do something else to go make a play. Again, doing your job is making a play. Being disciplined is making a play. And that's what we have to do. Uh, in some areas on, our, on the field, we have a lot of young guys haven't been in real tight situations like that. So we're, we're learning and growing at the same time. And, uh, and hopefully we're, we're getting these lessons as we go through them.
4: Uh, the the pregame availability report had some new guys on it uh, ahead of that game. We
6: didn't get a chance to ask him. Just wondering, is anybody else that's a voluntary opt out or anything, or are those all injury situations if they're on that list?
7: Injury situations. Yep. No uh, no opt out situations uh, as of today this morning or anything that I've heard. Gotcha.
0: Yeah. Uh, you kind of touched on Michigan's offense, but. You know, they had changes you know, all phases of the game from last time you played them, but you know, same quarterbacks, same top two running backs. I guess, what do you, what, how much different do you think they are now than when you played them there last year?
7: Well, they're just more experienced. They got those same guys, but they're more experienced. They got another year under their belt, and they're playing like that. They understand the offense and, and like I said, their assignments and where they need to be. And so they're playing like a more experienced group, if that makes sense.
1: Well, there's no question this rivalry brings out the best in both Michigan and Michigan State. Harlan Barnett saying it can bring more focus to getting better, but Barnett continued as far as if it's Michigan or not Michigan, we need to start playing better. And now it's about finishing, certainly is after giving up 21 points to Rutgers in the fourth quarter. We are back on this Monday. coaches press conference edition of Big Ten Live. Minnesota needed a week off, and they got it following that 52-10 loss to Michigan The good news is Gophers are rested, perhaps a little bit healthier. The bad news is they have to take a road trip this weekend to an awfully tough place to play, the Iowa Hawkeyes, at Kinnick Stadium coming off a win over Wisconsin. That's what's up next for P.J. Fleck and the Gophers as we take you to the Twin Cities. Here is the Minnesota head coach.
12: Good morning, everybody. Thanks for being here. Um, Coming off the bye week, I'm sure you got some questions, so we'll just go right into questions. You look back on,
0: on the passing game. What do you feel like needs to improve to get that off the ground?
12: Well, I don't know, necessarily know if it, to get it off the ground. I think we've had some games we've been really efficient in the past game. Then we played some really good football teams. That um, you know, played two top ten teams in the country, and then uh, you know we have another top twenty five team coming up this weekend. So uh, I think this team is, for the first few games, is finding their identity. I mean, there's a lot of unknowns on our offense. And I think as you go forward, you're finding out what you're really good at, what you're not really good at. But you're looking for balance any way you can possibly get it. You know, uh, Playmakers touching the ball, people earning the right to have the ball, finding out what people can do. Um, again, that's where the youth and inexperience comes into play, is finding out what our identity is going to be. And you have six games of data to, to research that, to look into that, take the bye week to look at it. Um, you know, we, We've been close. I mean, I know that doesn't mean anything to all of you. We've been close when you go back and watch all of it. We're a foot off here or yard off here. I mean, it's close from being better than what we've been able to do. So we just want more balance, um, you know, and and need to be better at it for sure. What stands out about this Iowa team? (laughs) And they're Iowa. Uh, I think with this team, I think when we're talking about complimentary football, I think a lot of people just think, okay, you're really good on offense, really good on defense, really good on special teams. It's not about being good on one or the other. It's about how do you go through a game and go win games based on uh, your formula to win games. And I don't think there's a team that does it better than Iowa. Um, And that, that they understand who they are more than most teams. They stick to who they are more than most teams. And then they beat you in every area. And uh, that, was, that was a prime example uh, last weekend against Wisconsin of exactly who Iowa is. And uh, they're very efficient. They don't turn the ball over. Their special teams are a huge factor in how they win. I mean, a huge factor. Uh, their special team doesn't get enough credit. Uh, and their defense is one of the best defenses in the country consistently. So they have a formula, and uh, they do it really well. Would you emphasize
5: this past week uh, with the buy extra time of the buy? Yeah, we
12: went back to just uh, we we obviously looked at every six, all the six games uh, uh, and found out you know what we learned from each one of those games. Not only that, what do we specifically have to do fundamentally and technique to get better? Uh, what do we need to do schematically to be better? Uh, how can we find? Uh, better ways to move the football how can we find ways to be able to stop people on defense and how can we make special teams even better so that was the whole thing minnesota versus minnesota for the first few days then we transitioned to iowa around thursday and then um players got a little time off and coaches uh, went out recruiting and then um you know game planned iowa over the weekend so um you know we're working on that as we speak
2: what do you think Ethan has learned from these
12: first six games just about Leading and running the offense as best he can. Well, I think that he's maturing with every game that he plays in. And I think it's just like, you know, depositing, uh, you know, money into a bank. He's just – he's putting more deposits in there by the game, mentally, physically, and emotionally. I think we all see he's got every physical skill, but it's going through different environments, going through different situations, having the the ebbs and flow of a game, uh, the response mechanisms, the leadership – uh, influencing everybody on the football team based on your body language and everything that goes into play with that. Learning. I mean he's learning as well. It's not like he knows all of it. So I think it's you know, he, he's every game he's getting a little bit better in his responses to what he does. Um I, I think, you know, when you look at you know, we look at how we how we lost the game at Northwestern and then, you know, we come back and respond against Louisiana. And he plays a really good game. I think that shows that response mechanism, we go play a top 10 team. I mean, the, the two interceptions for pick sixes, I mean, they're not, when you look at it, it's not a bonehead decision. I mean, he throws it to the right guy both times, but we're just, a, we're, we're a little bit off. I mean, just a little bit. One, the Michigan guy makes a great play uh, on, on basically on four read baiting us into the throw. And then the throw is just a foot off. Um, you know, the, the other one, another foot or two off. I mean, it, but it's not like he's making horrible decisions. Um, Maybe at the beginning of the year there were some that we got to be better at coaching him with, but you know he's he's getting there. I thought yesterday was one of his best practices that he's had, and he's just he's constantly showing growth. Now you know you got to continue to show growth at a at a rapid rate because there's so much to learn, but he's willing to do that, and that's what's so fun to coach him. He's willing to do it, uh, and he's willing to know what he has to get better at. So uh, we got to do a really good job coaching him. We got to do a really good job explaining all the whys and not assume somebody knows something um, and I think our coaches do a pretty good job of that so he's willing to do it coaches are willing to do it and we see progress on a daily basis and mentally physically and emotionally from his game
9: PJ, with how close this rivalry has been the last few years what would it mean for you to get your first win over Iowa well I,
12: I obviously it means a lot it means a lot to our fan base it means a lot to our players It means a lot to our state as it does uh, Iowa's team you know they've had a lot of success in in, in years past uh, I don't. I think we've we haven't won there since 1999. Um, and we've won two games in f- two times in 40. Is that right? Two times in 40, 40 games or uh, or 40 years? Uh, that's not a lot. So um, you know we've got to work it out for us. We know how good they are. Game's been really close uh, the last few years. That's what rivalry should be. I think both teams really respect the rivalry. The fan bases really do. Uh, Iowa's obviously had the upper hand. Over the years, but um, you know we're preparing to be do everything we can to be one and zero. It's a one game championship season. It's a huge rivalry game. We've talked to our players what it means. They understand that. A lot of guys who've been here understand that. Uh, they know how close we've been, and uh, we kind of do the history of the rivalry just like we do every other rivalry game. Uh, but we're going in to play a top twenty five team. We know that. Uh, they know all the facts that everybody reports. Uh, but we just got to go in and play our best game: offense, defense, special teams. I mean, this team is. Uh, still has not played their best football yet and that's my responsibility and my job to get them to and uh hopefully they can do that on on Saturday afternoon
5: you bring anybody in or have anybody of the experienced players on the team talk about this rivalry and what it means to them and
1: not- well
12: we we explain what the rivalry is and I think we have a lot of players on our team that understand that I mean you come to Minnesota to play in I think the most rivalry games in the Big 10 right I mean that that's what's so fun about playing here um, I'm sure there's going to be more added as we get to the you know 18 teams. But we do what we call captain's breakfast right before. Um, it, it's really at our breakfast in the morning of the game. We always bring in a former player uh, and usually around the area to where they either live or where they can drive to all over the country. We have alumni, you know, east to west, north and south. So um, but we always bring somebody in to talk about the importance of that game, a memory that they have about that game, whether it's a rivalry or not. Uh, But usually when we play in a rivalry game, you know, we bring somebody in that, you know, um, that has that connection to that rivalry, did something special in that rivalry game, and can really bring that um, to them. You know, um, Ricky Foggy spoke last week Um, and did a a great job. I mean, he he was short, sweet, to the point, but those are the type of alumni we bring in to just – I learned that from Jim Trestle when we were at Ohio State. He did that uh, the morning of a game, and I thought that was a great idea to connect the alumni to your current players. And our alumni do a fantastic job with that captain's breakfast. And people drive hours and hours and hours to be at that. Uh, Some fly in for it uh, just to spend 10 minutes with our football team and and deliver a message. So that's something that we started here, and I think it's a great tradition that we have, and and, uh, we'll continue to do that.
3: Uh, so, Michigan, or uh, was a very physical team. Yep. Does that change the pace of your rotation of players at all, keeping people fresh?
12: Uh, I think that we will have a game plan for that. Um, you know, the, you want the drives to be shorter, that's for sure. You know, I mean, if you know Iowa's going to run the football, I mean, they've had times they've ran the football 15 straight plays in a row. Uh, if you go back and look at all their cutups um, right around that number, so, I mean, they have no problem doing that and moving the chains. Um, they get your eyes in the wrong spot, play-action pass. Uh, you know, screens have hurt us in the past. Eyes have been in the wrong spot. They've had some good things dialed up for us. Um, they've been really good on the first drive. For us, I mean, we just got to find a way to be able to get off the field on defense. And uh, we're going to do our normal rotation as of right now, uh, but they have different personnel groupings than what we faced uh, so we'll have things for that as well. But, you know, I mean, if you're rotating, if you have a 12-14 play drive, you're rotating guys as it is. So it's not necessarily just you're changing that based on what they do schematically. Uh, you just want to make sure you can get them off the field as fast as you possibly can. And then sustain drives on defense or on offense and for their defense, because that's that's where they get you. Then they flip field positions so well. You know, I mean, they, that's the thing. I mean, they could be punting from their 25-yard line and they could have went three and out and it's third and 10. You know, and they've they've burned two minutes off the clock, but their punter punts at 65 yards and completely flips the field. Now you're inside your own 20 when you think you're going to get pretty good field position. So that's a credit to them and what they do and how they, uh, and the players they have and the philosophy that they have. I mean, every, every drive that you look at seems to be an 80, 90 yard drive, or it has to be. I mean, Penn State ran 90 plus plays, Penn State, 90 plus plays and scored 31 points a lot of different fronts, a lot of different blitzes. So yeah. they, they really come after you defensively. They do. I mean, they're they're are a, they're, I can't say typical, because I don't want to say typical Iowa defense because I, I think that's, I think it's redundant over over the course of time, but it's a compliment when I say it. It's, it's typical Iowa defense. They keep everything in front of them. They limit explosive plays. They're great tacklers. They swarm to the ball. They have a knack to get the ball out. They have a knack to be able to pick balls off. They're constantly creating takeaways. Uh, you know they had some takeaways at the early beginning of the year, but it's not like that has uh, that has followed them as they continue to go through the year. Uh, they've taken care of the football. They've made their opponents make mistakes, and then they just squeeze you out. And uh, that's what they've done. And they play their guys play extremely hard. I mean, they rotate a ton of guys and they play a lot of guys, but they are uh, they're very good, very physical, very good at the details of the game within their system. What challenges does uh, Cooper DeGene? present in both secondary and and on returns And he's one of the best return men because he's fearless. Um, You know, he'll catch any ball. He he rarely fair catches, if ever. Um, You know, he's going to make you tackle him in space. You know, his thing is make the first guy miss. And then from there, I mean, it's game on. I thought Wisconsin did a good job of the way they they had their punt formations and what they were doing to be able to swarm and and get him on the ground. But there are plenty of times it probably called for a fair catch. It didn't fair catch it. Now, he's a true football player. He's tough. He's smooth. He's smart. And that carries over to when he plays corner. Uh, he doesn't let many people get behind him. He, he takes the game very seriously. You can tell he's a student of the game. He's not only studying, obviously, the scheme stuff, but he studies his opponents. You can tell by the way he plays everybody just a little bit different. He's got great ball skills. He's smart. He's tough, physical. Um, and he can he can flat out fly. So uh, I think one of the best players in the conference, overall football players, because he can play any position. I mean, you can put him in any position, he'll play it. Offense, defense, special teams, that's what makes him really special. He's a true football player. I think the best compliment you can get from somebody is telling them, you're a football player. and People know what I mean when I say that. He loves the game, you can tell, by how he plays, and it jumps out on the film.
6: Are you personally in the program as a whole, what's the
0: best part of a bye week?
12: Well, I think it's the it, it's not to hit a reset button because I don't think you ever reset because you're in 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 a, an actual season, you know, you reset when, you know, the season's over and you got a new football team. So I think for us it's be able to reflect on where you were in six games, squeeze all the juice from the orange, draw a line in the sand and say, "Okay, we got to be better at these things." We've already I've already said we played an entire season within six games. We played two top 10 opponents. Uh, again, we've been ahead, we've blown a team out. We had a team come back on us we've experienced an awful lot. Uh, We've played some of the best players and best teams in the country. Uh, So, I mean, there's are things that we can learn on and and learn from. I think when you play some of those teams early, it exposes what you're not very good at very quickly. And it's very transparent and honest because you're not just saying it as a coach. You're looking on the screen and you're saying, here's the data. Look. And uh, our guys have been very receptive to that. Uh, They understand our coaches have been receptive to that. We're all working together to be better. So uh, the bye week's really important, too. Plus, I think the players can take a, a little bit of an exhale, do everything you can to get guys healthy, rejuvenate you, I think. Um, you know, to some guys went home. Sometimes that helps, especially a lot of our younger players who aren't playing. It's good to be able to get home and see your family. Um, you know, they've been going pretty hard for 11, 12 straight weeks. So, uh, you know, it was uh, well needed for us at that time. I've never seen a bye week come in a bad time.
13: Uh,
4: whole season in these first six games and then preparing for a game like the game against Nebraska where every point, every drive matters, and it's kind of like a defensive battle. How have you prepared your guys for that?
12: Well, I don't think it's hard to prepare them for a game against Iowa because they they know what those Mm -hmm. games entail. Um, We have some guys that you have to inform what it's going to be like. Uh, but it's not only that, it's the environment. Uh, I think Iowa creates one of the best college football environments in the country. Uh, I thought that when I was a GA at Ohio State. I thought when I played at Northern Illinois, uh, our trips to Iowa. I mean, they, their fan base does a great job of supporting their team, and they got some of the best traditions in college football, and the Wave is, is, is I think, the best. Um, so there's a lot of different things that you, we prepare our team for when going there, but you know what you're in for. I mean, is a, a true, true rivalry game that uh, throw the records out the window, throw the rankings out the window, and both teams want to be 1-0 at the end. And uh, they've got us the last few years for sure and uh, taken advantage of that.
0: PJ, is the plan for Cody and Darius to practice tomorrow?
12: Um, well, that's always the plan. You know, that's always the plan. Uh, I'm not the trainer, so the plan for me is always to practice them, you know, if we can. Uh, but the injury report will come out two hours before, uh, before kickoff. But that's the plan.
9: What makes Iowa's run, run games so tough to stop? I see they ran for 2.36 last week. So what, what, what's the challenge for you defensively there?
12: You know, I think from like an average fan standpoint, this is no disrespect. It's like, well, all they do, like they just run the ball. Like I told you a few weeks ago, there, my, you know, my dad's like, you just run the ball in the middle and then you just run the ball on the outside. You're running the same play over and over. Well, technically no. Iowa does such a great job of doing what they do, whether it's gap schemes, whether it's zone schemes, and they just keep it going. They make you fit it perfectly every time because the backs are really patient. I think what makes really special running backs is the ability to be patient. There's times not to be, and then there's times to be. And I think they have a great sense of what each individual play represents, whether it's zone schemes, whether it's gap schemes, what does it call for, and everybody finishing their blocks. And then sooner or later, it comes spitting out. You look at that game and, I mean, they have a huge 70-yard run for a touchdown. Their backs can finish it when they're in the open. You fit the gap and your eyes get in the wrong spot one time. They met, they gap you out. They play a lot of 12 personnel, a lot of 13 personnel. They'll add a lot of people where every gap matters. And then they do some movements and shifts and some reverses and motions. You start doing that and one guy gets his eyes out of the gap, it's, it's a touchdown. Because you're not going to sit there and play him in cover two. You got to get people down in the box to be in those gaps or you're going to be given, you know, eight, nine yards of carry. And that's when when some guy doesn't have their eyes in the right spot and you take the cheese somewhere, it comes out for 70. And they just do it over and over and over and over and over. And eventually their defense is so good that even if they score one touchdown, that's going to be good enough to beat you. Right, So they can do it over and over and over with that consistency because eventually you will make a mistake. And they control the ball. Now, if you're not controlling the ball, you can't do that. If your defense isn't good, you can't do that. Right? They can do that because that's the complementary piece of that. And I've got so much respect for what they do and how they do it. Uh, and they don't get enough credit for it because it is special because of how consistent they've been with that style for so long.
6: Take one or two more for Coach, all right. With that, how critical are cleaning up little details
12: in this bye week? They've been critical. We started them usually maybe a little bit earlier than we normally did just because of how much inexperience we have over on that side of the ball. Um, So we've got to make sure of those things. And, uh, you know, we're throwing a lot of things at them, even from past years. Uh, And I know they're going to have new wrinkles, you know, to what they do uh, to make it hard for us. But, um, you know, we need to make sure our guys are in the right spot and they're disciplined to make sure their eyes are in the right spot
4: you seen from Deacon Hill
12: in his first few games? Well, he can really throw it. I, I think that's one thing that, you know, you sit there and say, okay, well, you get to the next guy, who's it going to be? And, I mean, he can throw the ball a long ways. Uh, he's got a big arm. He's strong. He's big. You're not going to bring him down with just one person either. You know, if you're going to sack him, you've got to be able to bring a lot of people, and they've got to get a hold of him. They're getting the ball out of his hand really early, so nobody can necessarily get to him as much. Uh, and they're efficient in the pass game when they do throw it. Uh, they are catching, completing it, catching it on the run, and being efficient with yardage. And they're getting the ball. You know, I know they've had some tight end in- injuries, but they'll always have a plan to get the ball to some people, some way, somehow. Um, you know, you go back and look at how they've hurt us in the past. It's been through either screens, it's been through a shot, it's been through things like that. When you know, when it's it's gotten boring, you got to break boring with these guys. You got to break boring. And uh, that's been our whole message of the week for them, break boring. Because boring to do the same thing, oh, get your eyes in the spot, eyes in the spot. Human nature tells us, you know, um, you know, that's when somebody runs by you, when your eyes get to the wrong spot, doing the same thing over and over and over. And that's how they get you. Right. Very good football team. Should be a great matchup. Be a lot of fun in Iowa City. All right, Roll the Boat Sky, Michael Gophers. Thanks for your time, everybody.
1: So, P.J. Fleck and Minnesota deal with Iowa this week. Wisconsin had to deal with the Hawkeyes last week. It did not work out very well. A 15-6 loss for the Badgers. Their first in Big Ten play, perhaps more importantly, also lost quarterback Tanner Mordecai in that game to an injured hand. Hope to hear more. Maybe get an
14: update right now from Luke Fickle as we take you to Madison. This, is, uh, this has been a tough one. but. We knew we had to move past. Uh, we said that yesterday, um, as you guys probably have heard. That Tanner uh, broke his hand in the game, uh, had surgery on Sunday morning, and we don't know the exact, um, you know, timetable on on, on him as well. Um, so that'll probably just be left pretty much open for for a little while. Um, like I said, we don't know a ton more about that. Uh, but we, it's <clears throat> this is one of those things, man. You get in this league, and you're going to have to move forward and uh, Tough game on Saturday and come in on Sunday. Spend a lot of time, um, you know, looking at it, evaluating a bunch of things, uh, get our guys in here, give them an opportunity to put it to rest, to find, to learn, uh, and to move forward. And I think that's where I could, if I could say anything, the resiliency right now, you know, the attitudes of our guys, uh, I, I couldn't be more impressed with. Um, I know it's hard to say, but I, I did tell them that I thought last week was a really, really, really good week of preparation. They did a great job. Respecting the rivalry and all the things that they did, practicing with intensity, uh, didn't end up working. Uh, but that's a part of the game as well. And uh, So there's only one way to get, uh, get the taste out of your mouth. That was to go back out there yesterday. And today makes it a little bit harder because you don't get to go out and practice and kind of finish up the taste in your mouth. But uh, we'll keep rolling with that again tomorrow. <clears throat>
5: Luke, I think you were asked after the game about the potential of tweaking some things offensively to fit more of what Braden can do versus versus Tanner. What, what do you when you look at those two? What do you see the differences are, and what do you think some of the things you can maybe accentuate I, with Braden?
14: I don't know that there's a ton of differences. I mean, I, I think the biggest difference is just the experience. And that was the beautiful thing about Tanner Mordecai is, you know, his ability to come in here, not just with his experience of playing, but his experience of being through so many ups and downs, you know, from his original stop in, you know, at Oklahoma to, to SMU. And those things are invaluable. And um, Braden, Braden just doesn't have those experiences, you know. And so that makes it more difficult in some ways for him. But i would be honest with you, he's got a great head on his shoulders. I mean, there's nobody that's in this building more than, than him. Um, maybe Tanner be the only other one that, that pushes the envelope to got to kick him out of here. Um, but I feel we feel really good about his ability to execute, do a lot of the things that, uh, that we have done. Um, but everybody has their strengths, and, and we'll have to play a little bit more in, in some of those ways towards what we feel like he can do best.
8: Luke, obviously, you're talking about Braden there, but do you envision maybe packages for guys like Miles or Nick that, down the road, or how do you kind of see that? So position? We'll
14: see. I mean, we don't we don't really know. I mean, I know Miles was listed as the backup, and, and I know we talked about this yesterday. And it'll be, you know, we'll see who who this week really kind of. Picks up the slack a little bit and gets their opportunities to go in there with the, with the second group, whether that's against the defense or that's in some of the scout work stuff, and to see who kind of takes the the bit there. Um, but they, they, as you get into those guys, there there are some differences, obviously, with what it is that they can do and what they're most comfortable doing. None of which have much experience of playing, um, but all have different talents. So um, you feel like when you're consistent about at least what you've put in from the time spring ball forward. It, All guys have to have a grasp of the things that we're doing, Um, but each of them, obviously being young, have a uniqueness to to a lot of the things that they can do, I think, especially now.
6: Luke, you mentioned you feel pretty good about uh, Braden and the strengths that he brings. Just We haven't had a chance to see him in a few months. What has stood out to you? in his time in the program and the things you think he can do well? Well, I,
14: I probably said it from the get-go, right? I mean, there's nobody that's here more, that uh, spends more time in here in the office and breaking and watching film and learning and studying. Um, to be honest with you, from the time he walked in the door, you know, through the weight room and stuff like that, he's changed in a lot of ways. Um, you know, that's not probably when he walked in the door his, his strong suit. Sometimes you get in places where quarterbacks are handled a lot different, you know, just in their... Lifting and in their you know the, their development outside of just in the in the classroom and on the football field and I thought he's done a great job with that as well. Like I said, the unique thing is is you know guys rallying around him, guys understanding who he is, guys having confidence and belief in, in him. And uh, we got a small glimpse of what he you know what he has been able to do just this past week um, in a very tough situation. But I think this will be a different different thing for him walking in the door knowing what he's got to be able to do.
6: Luke. Um... You talked about open competition for the backup spot. Do you envision one or the other being similar to Brayden Locke's skill set wise as a factor in the backup competition?
14: No, I don't know that that is. I mean, because I think all those guys are uniquely a bit different, meaning that a they're really young. Um, you know, not that Brayden's really old, but I think just in their where they are in the grasp of the overall scheme of things, and I mean that because you can study it, you can work it, you can learn it, but when you don't get the opportunity to even go out there and practice every week, whether you're running with the twos or even in fall camp when you're competing more so with the with the ones and the twos, it's hard to say that you're developing as much as you need to at that position. And that's what's, to me, always the most difficult thing about that third quarterback, is how much opportunities does he get, how many reps does he get, even you know, in there, you know, during a game week if you know, they're not down with the scout running and doing some things, they're really just getting mental reps down there with the offense. So <clears throat> that's why it's kind of a competition to see now one put in there who can do the little things really well. Not just what their skill set is, but who can take care of the football, who understands what it is that we need to be what needs to be done.
5: Yeah, that's kind of a follow up on that. Normally if you have a clear one and two quarterbacks, the the reps in practice are pretty static. But with so many inexperienced guys, what factors do you weigh in how you divvy up those reps? Well,
14: it'll, it'll be who can take care of the football. And, and we do enough with with ones on ones and twos on twos just to make sure we're continue to play the speed of the game that you'll see some of those things. And even during a normal week, we go threes uh, a little bit and, and just some situational stuff. And those guys are always kind of rolling through there. And you get to see who understands some things but also who can take care of the football, who can – you know, not put yourself in a really difficult and a and a worse situation than maybe than you already are in. And I think that's where when making a decision, it's going to come down to who, who's going to have the who's going to give us the best opportunity to manage what it is that we need to do.
8: You kind of challenged the offensive line after the game, kind of said that they need to step up with the quarterback situation. Obviously a tough defensive line here in Illinois this week. What do you think the offensive line needs to do in terms of, you know, elevating their play from what you've seen the first six weeks?
14: When I say that, I say that because there are guys that can handle it. I think that, you know, when you start talking about protection and and the ability to, to, you know, dominating and and controlling the line of scrimmage, it gives you a lot more confidence in everything that you're doing. And where I thought the offensive line played a good game, um We need him to play even better and I think when as you get these situations just like we're going to say about Braylon Braylon's going to have to put some more on his shoulders as well Anytime you got some new guys in there. There's other things you got to throw upon other people and I wouldn't say that if I didn't think they could handle it, right? If we had a younger offensive line, I wouldn't be saying here saying we're going to put a little bit more on our offensive linemen to to do the things they need to do. And if we didn't have an established tailback that you know can handle it, then I probably wouldn't be saying that about him as well. And so I think those are the things where you're just saying, okay, now who, who do we who do we turn towards? Who's going to be the kind of the you know the spark? I'm, let's be honest, Tanner Mordecai was a leader, and will still continue to be a leader, and, and not that Bradley can't. Because anytime whoever's a quarterback has to be a leader. But I think this is an opportunity um, that we have to have some other guys that kind of got step out of maybe their comfort zones and and take a little bit more of a leadership role.
6: Luke, you said after Buff, after the Buffalo game that if you're the same in Week One as you are in Week Eight, it's going to be very difficult to have a successful season. You're not at Week Eight yet, but I'm just wondering where you think you guys are better now than you were back in Week One.
14: Well, I mean, I, I think we understand each other better. I think we understand you know what our guys are being able to do a little bit better, both offensively and defensively. You know, sometimes you you kind of assume things that are going to happen when all of a sudden the bullets start flying and then maybe they do or they don't or somebody exceeds your expectations. So, you know, with injuries and all those things coming about, if you don't have a structure to what it is that you want to do, it's really difficult. That's kind of that consistency behind it. So as a new guy comes in like Braylon Brayden, you want to be able to still have the structure to what you do, but you got to tailor things and make sure you're putting guys, especially young guys in situations where, you know, they can handle it. And, uh, so does that cause you to evolve a little bit different? It it, it can. Um, but all, all in all, we got to continue to grow. And I think that's where, you know, you you have a loss and the the initial thing to look at is, oh man, you took a step backwards. Well, there's some things we, we didn't take step backwards in, um, but there's a lot of things that we know we got to continue to push forward with as well. And, and uh, you know, in a game like that last week, you, you, they just get highlighted a lot more.
6: You had mentioned after the Iowa game, uh, when you were talking about the offense, you are still trying to kind of fit, use how the players fit into the system. Um, do you feel like it's been perhaps more of a challenge than anticipated in this overhaul to get them, playing at the level that you guys believe is possible?
7: No, I, I
14: think there's just there's just some new things, right? I mean, like, by nature, what they see every day, you know, and what we saw in fall camp and what they saw in spring ball was a little bit different. Meaning, like, let's say blocking on the perimeter. We didn't do a great job this past week of blocking on the perimeter. Um, the way they played there zone match concept and some of the things the nickel took a lot of things away from us and and they did a great job with the vision and and not being able to you know maybe handle that thing on the perimeter not something that you know our guys probably saw a ton against our defense playing a little bit more man playing a little bit more on body stuff sometimes it's a little bit easier to block out there on the perimeter just by the nature of a guy's playing man-to-man on another guy so that's where you're just You know, guys are thrown into these other situations. Do they recognize, you know, whether it's a Tucker Ashcraft who's a freshman or Hayden Rucci who, you know, probably hasn't played other than start a spring ball, out there in space a lot, do they recognize some of those things and be able to execute on game day when things are a little bit different? That's where, you know, that's where we're having to continue to, you know, kind of tailor what it is that we need to do based on what, you know, our guys have the best opportunity to do too, and that's – what we kind of mean by the evolution and, and as you evolve through the season.
5: I'm curious, everybody wants to look ahead to what Braden has to offer, and rightfully so, but what have your conversations with Tanner been like since Saturday? Can you kind of convey what his emotion was like after the game?
14: <laughs> Very tough. I mean, there's nobody that's a more of a competitor than, than him, and uh, just like for the sheer reason he didn't come out after the play happened, right? He breaks his hand, he stays in there, feels like he's just got a little, you know, just kind of working it out with his hand and goes on to the next play. And they, <clears throat> we call a play and unfortunately it's second and two. And, and as he goes to kind of rip the ball, he, he recognizes he cannot grip the football. And so he obviously tries to get us out of a bad situation and, you know, takes a one yard loss or something like that to put us in third and three, but most others would have probably, you know, felt the pain and, you know, curious about what it was and, and, uh, there's a guy that his competitive spirit and his emotions probably kept him from feeling what was natural. Um, you know, hindsight he wish he would have recognized it a little bit better and maybe didn't take the second down play. Uh, I don't know what he would have done. Maybe just drop down and they, they wouldn't have said they were trying to delay the game because they don't usually blame offenses for that. But I think that's just kind of shows the, his mentality
8: to, to how he plays the game. Luke, you talk about leaders stepping up. And last three games, seems like Muma's role maybe is more of a true number two than number one inside linebacker. In your experience, do you think it's tougher for guys to, to be a leader when they're not on the field as much?
14: It is. There's no doubt. I mean, us as coaches tell them, all, well, you don't change. Be the same person you are. Still take the same role. And... The nature of it is it's really difficult, right? It's like when a guy gets injured, what we're going to ask Tanner to do and the leadership we're going to ask of him and whether it's Tanner or Chez, you know, you guys got to keep your role. Guys still look to you. Boy, is that difficult. And, um, you know, but we're, we're going to have that expectation for them to, to do that and, and make sure they understand that their teammates are counting on them for that role that they need to provide. And uh, But there's no doubt it is definitely harder.
6: With uh, Tanner's hand, is it more of a finger situation, a palm? I mean, structurally, what?
14: Not a doc. Uh, it, it was a hand. I don't know exactly what the, whether it's the fifth metatarsal or something. Um, I'm not positive. I know they put a pin in it, and there's not a real established timetable to uh, how fast he can he can handle you know, the things he would need to handle. But it is in his throwing hand.
6: Luke,
2: talking about some of the short down, uh, short distance situations. It seems like there have been some inconsistencies to begin the season. You guys ran from under center on a fourth down play.
14: What have been some of the issues early on, and do you envision running some more under center in those situations going forward? Well, I mean, kind of each week, you know. I mean, we were under center, obviously, last week on the the fourth and short, and sometimes that makes it a little bit more difficult for the uh, quarterback to have any recognition or any idea of a, a free guy coming off the backside edge and, and also doesn't provide, you know, that guy off the backside edge to have to at least honor the quarterback in some of those situations. So that's a part of it. Um, but normally when we get to bigger people we have the ability to get up under center. You know, we did the same thing and, and ended up jumping off sides. So those are things where we cannot make those mistakes. Uh, those are the probably the things that are really costing us, you know, going from third and one and third and two to third and seven. Um that would probably be one of the, the bigger emphases that uh, we made uh, on Sunday with our guys, to, to, the honesty things of, of how we're putting ourselves in a really tough situation with, with some of those and, and some of the penalties on special teams.
5: Luke, you talked about the long touchdown run Iowa had. You know, we talked about it after the game.
4: Yeah.
5: Um, the players said we didn't fit it up properly. And I'm just curious, when you looked at tape, what did you see that broke down? But even if something broke down initially, were you guys in position to bring that guy down before he gets out all the way to the end?
14: Yes. I don't know if you saw it or if you've re-seen it as many times as I have, but there's two guys there. Um, they actually kind of overlap each other and stack on each other and, and probably put know, the corner. I'm not sure if it was Rico or – or Yeah, so it was Alex maybe or whoever um, – kind of the, the two guys got each other's way with him and him and Hunter. And uh, we actually had a chance to have him in the backfield too. Um, but then ultimately I think that we ended up missing a tackle from the middle of field safety. Uh, you know. And then obviously Rico ended up chasing or or not able to catch up with him. Um, but there was, you know, there's a, a few of them right there in that situation. You go from a possibility of a zero yard gain to a eight yard gain to an 82 yard gain. And that's the one that, you know, that, uh, it's probably, obviously, as you look back at it, the biggest, and really the only, right? We had one 43-yard, 42-yard play on offense. They had one 82-yard play. When we break down things offensively and defensively, we're all looking for big plays, and we call anything a plus 20. We don't even get into the runs or passes anymore. Anything that's a plus 20 is a, is a big play. Give up one on defense, and we had one on offense, and, and which is rare in a lot of games today.
6: You ended up passing, I think, 50 times against Iowa. I know eight of those came you know, last drive when you're down two possessions. But in general, and this may depend on the matchup, I assume, do you have an ideal in terms of the balance you want, particularly knowing you've got a quarterback who doesn't have as much experience as Tanner does?
14: No, I mean, I, balance is I, I, you love to come out of the game with the yardage balanced up, right? I mean, if you're, if you're all one way, then it becomes really difficult you know, to be good at it, right? I never want to be the team that leads the country in rushing, right? That's usually a military academy that's run the triple option. But then, you know, you don't want to lead the country in passing either because then you're a team that probably does not ever run the football. So it's hard to say uh, exactly where you are. But it, like we said, if you, if you could have balance being 250 and 250, ultimately would be the greatest thing, whatever it takes to get to that point, um, you know. But that's where we got to continue to figure out what's truly going to be our strengths. You know, and if it means more of, you know, 60 40 on running the football, then it means more 60 40 running the football. Um, you know, but I, I don't think that you can just for sure say what that exactly is. Um, you know, just it's kind of like in the personnel p- department as well. You got to find a way to get your best 11 guys on the field. And if guys get hurt, then who's the next one that makes you the best 11 out there?
0: Luke, you talked about the offensive line and. Uh, Running back
2: Braylon Allen obviously having a bigger emphasis with Brayden in there. What's your message to the receiver room
14: specifically um, with their ability to separate with uh, Brayden coming in? Well, I've always I don't spend a whole lot of time in the receiver room. They don't they don't kind of jive with me nearly as much with just the nature of the I guess the defensive lineman in me. But I've always told them I said your number one job is to make the quarterback look good you know, and what does that mean? That means whatever it means, right? I mean, if the ball's a little high, catch it. If the ball's a little low, catch it. If, if that means that, you know, you got to beat the one-on-one to make give the opportunity for the quarterback, he's got a lot on his plate. And so we got to continue to find ways to make the quarterback look good. And, uh, you know, we had some some of those situations where we could have made him look a lot better, whether we catch the ball, stay on our feet, we run for some yards after catch, you know, some of the third down. I mean, there's, there's all different ways. It's not saying that they didn't do a great job. It's just there's some difficult balls to be caught, especially as tight a coverage as those guys are playing and, and did play this past week. It's not going to be any different. you know. So they've got to find ways to make their quarterback look good. And uh, you know, there's many different ways of doing that.
6: I'm going to acknowledge that I'm asking this question after it was a pretty tough loss, but um, expectations coming into the year were pretty big from the outside. You had nothing to do with that. It's not your thing. But did we all underestimate maybe what – the challenge you guys were walking into and your staff were walking into this year?
14: I, I don't know. I mean, it, again, there's nobody that puts more pressure and has a higher expectation than myself and the guys in the locker room, right? And I think that's where, you know, you love them if, if everybody, you know, you feel good going in the season because people think that, but the reality is that it happens every year. It's somebody, it's somewhere, it's something. Um, who knows whether it's realistic or not, you know? It, right now we're still in a position, like, guys – Quit worrying about the the destination. That's what I try to tell them. You know, let's let's focus on the process to what we do. We get so caught up in the destination that you don't even have a chance to enjoy some of the things and the struggles that you have to go through, and which is not easy. Don't get me wrong. I'm I'm as bad as anybody, but the reality is that there's going to be a struggle, right? I mean, you can look at some of the best years here, and I don't even want to go back into you know, say you know, but a Rose Bowl year where I think you ended the season at six and six. And it's just, is it perception? Is it what, who knows? You play your best ball at the end of the year and you have an opportunity to not just have a successful season, but you see the growth and the things that you're doing and whatever that ends up ultimately meaning at the end of the year based on what your record, then you can feel good about continuing to move forward. Thanks coach. Right, thank, you. thank
1: you. Bad news for Wisconsin and for Tanner Mordecai. It is officially a broken hand. Had surgery on Sunday. Luke Fickle confirming there is a pin inside Mordecai's surgically repaired hand. No official timetable on if or when he could return this season. Little rest, recovery, and reset this past weekend for Nebraska. Came off that 20-7 win at Illinois. Then had a week off. Now the Huskers returning home for back-to-back games. First Northwestern and then Purdue. A chance to get things headed in the right direction before Matt Rule's first November with the Huskers. Let's head to Lincoln. Here is Nebraska head coach Matt Rule.
2: Just an uh, injury update and you might have to help me with this. Uh, Luke Reimer will be back with us this week. So excited to have Luke back. Um, other than that, I think we're a pretty healthy team. Deshaun Singleton's will still be out. Um, um, but uh, we're excited to have Luke back. Obviously, he'll be a big... Big uh, um, boom for our, uh, for our defense. So big week for us, huge week for us, playing an excellent Northwestern team, 3-3. Three three, um, unbelievable comeback win over Minnesota down, I think it was 31-10. Um, um, coach uh, coach Braun's did a fantastic job. So it'll be a heck of a ball game. Excited, excited to have a chance to play them, excited for this week. Excited to see our players after the bye week. So I'm sure you guys have lots of questions. How much
0: football did you get to watch this weekend? And when you look at the Big Ten. What I mean, what kind of opportunity is out there for you guys t- to put your name in, in this thing over the next few weeks?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm not worried about the big picture. I think that's the problem uh, with Nebraska football. I think that's why we've gone one and five down the stretch most years. Um, looking at things outside of just going one and zero oh this week, um, evaluating the offensive, defensive coaches, evaluating the offense versus the all the all this this stuff outside the program. Um, I'm, I'm going to do my best to keep it from f- f- infiltrating the program. Um, we've got to get, we've got to get away to get one and zero this week. We've got to try to improve this week. Um, it's going to be a real challenge. Um, so, to me, um, you know, I had a chance to watch the teams we play. I was really, really happy to see Illinois play well. Um, you know, because that obviously, anytime we play someone, we beat them, and then we see them play well, it makes us feel good about who they are. I saw Northern Illinois go to get a huge win over a five one Ohio U team. So, you know, I feel good about where our team is. Um, but. Our team has got to eliminate the looking past just what's important this week. When we got embarrassed at Michigan, we didn't think about anything else other than Friday night. And we were locked in. And we're going to find out about myself as a head coach and our coaches and our players and our staff. Um, you know, can we can we have that same focus this week? We better. Um, we better.
6: We have a few times you've mentioned kind of the big picture and, and, you know, not looking ahead and all that. I mean, does that surprise you how much Husker fans can look at the big picture and always kind of taking stock of their team?
2: Well, you know, I love Husker that. fans. Let me say that. Okay. I'm talking about the team. You know, like like w- the only reason why we have the opportunities we have is because there's so much care about the program. Um, I just have to make sure our players don't act like fans. They act like the guys that are going to go out and play. And so if you're not careful, you know, like, like, then all these things start to infiltrate the team. And so, um, I go back and I just look at history. Okay. You look at the, the team, look, at, look at Nebraska football over the last eight to 10 years in the second half of the season, it's abysmal. Okay. And it's not a knock on anyone. I respect the heck out of those. Those are good coaches, but like, we're not, we can't be the type of team that, Oh, we lose. We were, we lost to Colorado. We're embarrassed. We come back, we win. We play okay. Not very really great against La Tech, right? We, then, then we go out we get embarrassed against Michigan. Now we're embarrassed. Now we can play great against Illinois. We just can't be that team. I'm not, I don't want to coach that team, and our players don't want to be a part of that team. So that's what it is. And at the same time, there's this thing out there that I can hear, right, about, like, you know, is this coach doing – they're all doing a good job. This program's not in good shape. <laughs> they're all doing a great job, I think. And so I'm in charge of this football program. Like, Sat would love to go no huddle and score 50 points. Tony would love to blitz-heavy play. I run the program. And so we're playing as a team. So all that other stuff, it's, it's, it's why we haven't been to a bowl game. We're the only Power 5 team that hasn't been to a bowl game in a long time. So if I start talking about bowl games, I'm part of the problem. So the fans are supposed to do this. My daughters, Dad, if we go to a bowl game, can I have Taylor Swift? Con- my daughters are fans. <laughs> right? They're, they're supposed to do that. I just got to get the team to be really locked in to, like, today, tomorrow. Because think about Coach Braun, the job that he's done. He comes, he comes from North Dakota State, takes this job at Northwestern. He's the D.C., Coach Fitzgerald, great friend of mine, a man I respect, gets let go. He steps in as the interim head coach. He's on a one-year deal, and he's got this team battling, man. They're fighting for their lives. What are we doing? You know, What, what are we going to be like? We'll find out on Saturday. So that's the message I put out there usually on Mondays when I feel this because I want our players to have that mentality, but they will. I want our staff, and I hope our fans come to this game as locked in and as thinking this game is as important as anything else because – I respect the team we're playing, and I respect the coaching staff. To be in the situation they're in, to be down 21 points and to fight back, man, that's, that says a lot about the character. We better have the same character. So. Have you heard
12: that from players, just veterans on the team that you've talked to about previous seasons, that there
0: has been a, a lack of a focus <coughs> much directly in front of them and more on the future, or is that just something that you've diagnosed from looking at scores? <coughs> I,
2: I talk to the players a lot. I talk to the players a lot, and I've talked to them a lot in the offseason. Um, I'll meet with a bunch of like, during the week. The one the, the thing that I've done I think better than I normally have is after the first two weeks I spend a lot of time one on one with players, um, and so they kind of they've kind of given me a lot of things, right? Um, but I can also just kind of feel it in my daily conversations with like the people in our building, right? People love to send me like memes from Twitter, like you know like Hey, look, Coach, there's a picture of you. Um, it's just not healthy for the it's not healthy for the team this is a team that has to learn how to be the same team every week, right? Doesn't that what you guys all want? You guys want to come watch us play badly on Saturday? Like we want to be the same team every week. And so that's a level of, you know, that's, that's hard to do. Either you're so talented. You don't have to do that. There's some teams are so talented. They, they have to get up for three or four games. We have to get up for every game. We had to battle to beat Northern Illinois. We had to battle to beat La Tech. We're not in that place yet. we got to fight, scratch, and claw. So the players have kind of addressed a lot of these things with me. I'm not worried about the players, um, as much as I'm worried about like our staff and coaches and all them, like we, we have to lead the way I have to lead the way I have to wake up this week feeling that same. Now I woke up after that Michigan game, Mitch, I felt sick to my stomach that whole week. I woke up after the Colorado game. I felt like someone was standing on my chest. You know, I don't want to w- walk around this week happy. <laughs> I better have the same urge to go one and oh this week. Um, but this is not about Hey Northwestern. This is just about the program in general. I'm trying to do a good job of addressing it to people because I went to Takema this summer and I spoke and there was a 97-year-old woman that waited in line to meet me. And so when I think about Husker fans, I think about her. And I don't, I don't want her like, she waited in line to meet me. That's embarrassing to me. And I, don't, I just want us to be that type of a team that like you, when you come to see us play, you know what you're going to get. And so that's the challenge for us these last six games, not to worry about what comes after them, but just to worry about how we do them
12: this rivalry between Northwest, I guess, right, matchup between Northwestern and Nebraska. It's been a lot of close games in recent years. I mean, have you looked back at some of those close games? Some of the games? Yeah, I
2: watched the, well, I mean, I watched the 2021 game and I watched last year's game um, a lot. I watched both those games a lot, right? Um, I thought what uh, Coach Frost and the offensive staff did two years ago was phenomenal. But Martinez was amazing. I mean, a lot of great things happened they played great defense. Um, obviously, last year was a hard-fought battle, back and forth. But you know, they have a new defensive coordinator, right? There's just not a lot of things that translate, so it's all—it's all, it's all kind of new. So um, those are more like off-season studies for me. You know, I get in the game week, I usually try to go back and watch personnel. You know, Coach Volkolek is there, who was here, so obviously he'll know our personnel. So I try to go back and watch their players versus our guys a little bit. But for the most part, now I have—you know—I have six games on them versus really good competition, two top 25 teams that they've played. Uh, they're just a lot like us.
6: Yeah, now that Jeff Sims is supposed to help the 100%. How do you manage the quarterback situation
2: there yeah. this week and in the game? Yeah, I think uh you know, we're we're working hard to get Jeff to be the best that he can be, we're working hard to get Heinrich and Chubb to be the best that they can be. Um you know, we'll play with Heinrich, you know, for now. Um Jeff just ready to go on a moment's notice. Uh, you know, we sometimes we mix him in with the ones a lot in practice. I would have no problem ever having a package to play two. I'm not saying we would do that, but I have no problem with the way he works. But to me, you know, Heinrich's played well. Um, Heimer's done, done some good things, and so, um, you know, he'll he'll be the starter. Um, were you able
6: to, in a week, work on maybe improving
2: him but also improving the things that you guys can do with him and getting plays that
6: help him to, to be the best he can be?
2: Yeah, I think we were able to go back and really identify um, what he does well. You know, because when you build something, you usually build it around who you anticipate the starter to be. And so, hey, what are the things that not only is he comfortable with when you watch the tape, hey, he's doing this pretty well. And then what are some of the plays that we've kind of fell into? Like, hey, these are good plays for us. What are the plays that come off that? And at the same time, having to simplify a great deal with a bunch of freshman receivers now going to be playing. So it's kind of this unique, you know, hey, we we have, you know, we're down to, you know, we're down to the third and fourth string tailback to start the year at least, right? We're down to some young wideouts and we're also, you know, new quarterback. Hey, what do they all do well? And uh, we have enough good players to win with, you know, so just trying to find out what they do well. But I think Heinrich had a really good week last week. You know, he was still a little beat up from that game. That was a hard-fought game. You know, he, he went out there and battled each day uh, to practice last week. So did Jeff. So I think we have a good feel as a team, right? Like, hey, what, what do those guys do well? I you
6: know you said uh, Emmett felt terrible about that fumble, but he had some, a couple of nice plays before that. What, what would you say about just his progress at that running back spot and maybe what he can do in the second half? Yeah, Emmett,
2: Emmett can play for us. I think Emmett's a good player. Emmett, uh, you know, we ran a counter with him, and he he knifed up the field and got six or eight yards. I mean, I think he shows quickness and toughness and burst, excellent protection, can catch the football. We just, uh, you know, we just have to protect the football, um, and he has to protect the football. Um, obviously, his was on an exchange; it wasn't a pure fumble. Um, so, you know, kind of going back to what Sam just talked about, right? Like, you know, hey, Heinrich wasn't taking a lot of reps with Emmett for a couple of weeks, right? Now, just getting them kind of synced up together. Um, on some of those plays, but Emmett can really help us.
0: In general, is there a, a points per game threshold that you've identified that it takes to win games in the Big Ten that you would feel good about reaching? Matt, uh, I, I, don't,
9: I, don't, I would, I would never think about that.
6: When it comes, like, to- just just
2: so you guys know me, because you're here, once, like, we were playing Illinois, and we, they, I was like, hey, they're not going to move the ball against us today. I don't care if I don't care if we run the ball every play and punt and. Like, that's just what you get when you're home coaching. You know, it's 25-mile-an-hour wins. Last thing that can be is a batted ball, right? Like, you know, we're going to play that way. So I want to score one more than the other team. But that's uh, That might be old school and kind of boring nowadays, but it, it, it'll it it'll result in good things in the long run. Do
13: you hear the narrative? That, you hear it a lot.
6: That <clears throat> you that Big Ten West is down. It's bad. How do you, do you, how do you react to that? Do you have any reaction to that? I have
2: none, yeah. I mean, this is my first time going through it, and then Big Ten West will be... Gone next year anyway. So, um, I, I literally—I I was a young coach because you know I don't want you guys to think I'm always just like coach speak. I was a young coach, head coach at Temple, and I sat down at a table at the at the retreat with you know with all the American Conference coaches. were there, George O'Leary, who I looked a lot, really looked up to, was there, and UCF was rolling at the time, and he was going to become the AD, and I was like, yeah, coach, we play. I forget what year it was. I was like, man, well, we play Penn State, but then we got Cincinnati, and he, and he was like, Maddie, Maddie. And he's like, just play them one at a time. And, and you hear that. But the teams I thought were gonna be really good that year actually were pretty down. And the teams I thought were gonna be down that year were really pretty good. And so um, I think we face good teams each week. <laughs> I think it's a battle each week. You know, I just think there's always a narrative out there. Like people watch the Iowa-Wisconsin game and say it's a bad football game or it's an ugly football game. I think it's a beautiful defensive football game. And, um, you know, I see, a lot of, I see a lot of teams that scored a lot of points early in the season in in games this weekend not quite scores quite as many points as the year gets on and people catch up and it gets a little colder so you know i was on its way to having another great year um and people are making a big deal about how many points they score they're scoring one more than their opponent most games so i think the big you know i don't know anything about the big 10 west other than i'm facing each one each each year and after the year i'll probably have a better feel for you know kind of who everyone is and then we'll shuffle it up and we'll be going to the west coast and (laughs) i'll do my best to figure that out Man, what kind of
0: lift does Luke give you? Not just performance-wise, and maybe leadership. but Give me another veteran voice out there. No, he,
2: Luke is one of the voices. Um, even before last game, I texted him. You know, on the day of the game, like, "Hey, bro, I wish you were with us, man." I, feel, you know, I feel so awful about what happened to him. You know, just, you know, got got in his arm. You know, and just a, you know, got, got an infection, and, um, and he was like, "Hey, I already sent a message to the guys. They're ready, coach." You know. Um, he, he's a voice that the guys listen to. And so when he speaks, I think it goes a long way. And, um, you know, as a player, he's really going to help us. You know, I mean, um, he's excellent off the ball. And, you know, this is a team, Northwestern, that, you know, can, can spin it. And they can also run it. And they have athletic quarterbacks. So we'll need Luke's athleticism out there.
0: How much do all three of the freshman receivers factor in this week now that you've had some more time and, you know, your situation a little better? Yeah, Malachi's a
2: starter. He'll start. You know, the great thing about Malachi is he didn't have much time to think about it. Like, you know, unfortunately, Marcus went down and Malachi had to run out there and play. And so he, I mean, he played well. I mean, he's got he's got things that he does differently that we have to adjust. You know, he's his, the things that he loves to do. Like we have to factor some of that in. Uh, Jalen Moy's is going to play a ton. Uh, Jaden Doss is still kind of in the middle. Um, you know, when you're a freshman receiver and you don't practice for whatever it was, five, six, seven weeks, that's difficult. Um, the other guys practice, but Jalen's ready to go. Malachi is ready to go and what I saw from them last week Sean was I saw them like they showed up last week they knew like okay it's time to play saw Quentin Ives he showed up he said hey it's time to play um, and Jaden showed up too I just you know I'm not sure exactly where Jaden will fall on this whole thing but um, the great thing about the last game is you know Alex I think Alex Bullock has figured out that he's he's a really good player you know fourth and three he makes an unbelievable catch he makes a great catch on the slant um, you know he's got long speed you know and then Ty Han made a big play for us so I think the you know Heinrich developing a a real uh, rapport with those guys as well.
6: When you're down some skilled players and you have inexperienced at quarterback, how much more do you want to lean on your offensive line? How did you feel like that group played over the first six games? Where can they improve?
2: Yeah, I think our offensive line has gotten better and better and better. I think they are one of the groups that I think they, I'm going to speak for them. I I think they're one of the groups that's really been scarred by, they're scarred still by the things that are said about them out there, and they hear it, they they probably were hearing it too much and not having a lot of fun playing. Um, And I think that they, in the last two weeks, have really kind of gotten past that a little bit. I think they, you know, I just, you know, I just don't, when you run the ball for 200 yards a game, no matter how you get it, like, you don't do that if guys aren't playing well, if tight ends aren't blocking, if guys aren't running. Um, I think the biggest thing that I've seen improvement in is our pass protection. You know, we're getting better and better and better in pass pro. Um, you know, we're, we're not we're not here to throw the ball 45 times a game. So, um, but, you know, we're, we're getting better in those regards. But I like our offensive line. I like, you know, the amount of things that they see, the amount of things that people throw at us because we don't throw it a ton. You know, they, the, the amount they blitz us, um, they, they, they are unsung heroes to me.
6: One thing that's changed in college football the last five years is the uh – the presence of pro football focused scores and they haven't always scored well in that area the offensive linemen. how much have you had to tell them to just hey, push that out not worry about it
2: don't listen to the noise about what your grades are on on some website yeah you know? i just say this if you go back and if you go back and listen to anything i said when i was in the nfl i talked about that being the number one thing that affects players of the national football league is those grades because people listen to them right and I would just say that if I went and graded our O line and Donnie graded our line and Sat and graded our line, we would all come out sometimes with different scores. <laughs> so I'm really I'm not gonna listen to other people. Um and that's I mean that with the greatest deal of respect, you know. Um so I don't look at the grades of other teams. I don't say like, oh well this guy let's go after this guy. He's a sixty four. So um it's just one more cottage industry built up around the sport you know what i'm saying like and they've done a good job and we use pff for like video and stuff like we use it like it's amazing what they do in terms of like hey show me every pass thrown to the left quadrant on third and seven i can i mean i'm like a geek on that stuff but in terms of the scores you know the the the, the qualitative data i'm not going to pay attention to that uh, again i mean don't we just want our players to go out there and fight the play like I, you know, I I struggle with you can tell I'm always going to defend my players and my coaches. I struggle with the fact that like these players are here to get Nebraska football over the hump because it hasn't been over the hump, and these coaches are here. Like when I go in for my heart exam and my doctor tells me I have uh, uh, calcium, <laughs> I don't yell at the I don't yell at the heart doctor. You know what I'm saying? I don't yell at the guy trying to fix the problem. So why would anyone say anything bad about the kids that are out there playing to try to get us back to a bowl game? Why would anyone say anything about the coaches that are trying? Like that's crazy to me. So. I see the impact it has on young people. It's, it's 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 devastating to them. It really is. Most of my job is about hey guys, ignore the noise, ignore it, ignore what people are saying about you. And that, you know, I'm having to do that a little bit in recruiting sometimes too. Like coach, why we re-? well, I don't know. Do the Recruits need to hear everyone talk about that we're not good at this and not good at that. I don't know. So it's it's the job. It's challenging. I, I relish this. I'm not complaining about it. You know, everybody has a job to do. Fans have, but I'm proud of our players. I and mean, I say this so that they hear it. Their parents hear it. And a PFF score does not determine who they are. You know, um, Ethan Piper's out there playing with a broken hand, right? He's pass protected number four from Illinois, who's going to be a first round draft pick with a broken hand, and we won the game. I'd hug the guy, not, not grade him. When
5: you, you got a chance to share a graph, or- mm-hmm. why, why are grades, like when you say you sat, you might have different grades, why? Why, is it, why, they, why why the
13: disparity
2: because yeah because it's one thing to say like hey he's supposed to down block and he did and he gets a minus for that right but like you know how hard, it's hard to move, it's hard to move people in football right like they get they get on they're on scholarship too so um you know like it's it's all just subjective you know what i'm saying it's just it, it's a it's 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 a moving target you know um you know it's just subjective so if I can't, if I if I don't trust myself enough to do it all the time, like I know what I kind of see, and I'm like, hey Donnie, we want this here. Hey, hey, Sad, we want this here. Hey, Tony, if I can't do it, then I'm certainly not going to listen to anybody else. You know, I mean, I live this. I don't do anything else but this. And occasionally, occasionally a women a girls volleyball game with my daughters. Like, this is all I do. So, it's just really subjective. And again, it it makes for great theater. I just want our players. I want our players walking in this building thinking about going 1-0 and worrying about what their teammates think and what they're, they think. At the same time, I want us to go out there and have an unbelievable crowd on Saturday that's proud of the way we play. Um, I just you know, just can't live your life on Twitter.
12: Like you said, you said, you've been locked in.
1: So Jeff Sims is back, healthy enough to play. He was the starter at the beginning of the year, but Matt Rule saying the Huskers will continue to go with Heinrich Harburg under center at least for this week's game against Northwestern. As for Indiana, Huskers have lost two in a row, giving up 52 to Michigan, giving up 44 the week before in that loss to Maryland. The good news for Indiana, Tom Allen's team returns home this weekend. The bad news, taking on a Rutgers squad that is now just one win away from bowl eligibility. Let's head to Bloomington for more on this one. Here is the head Hoosier, Tom Allen.
8: Yeah, Tom, I know you're not satisfied with how either of them have played Taven or Brendan, but... Are there positive traits that you've seen with them, whether it's in games or practices, that you feel like you can build off of? And, and then, I guess, like you've mentioned, um, Dexter getting closer—like, how does he factor into that? Um,
3: yeah, I think that uh, there's no question. that there's both have positive traits, and and uh, you just want to see more consistency, you know. And I think that's going to—that's the key, you know, for us to be able to do that as a staff to help them with that. And in uh, both the game plan and the calls and the way that they're going to operate, and that's going to be a real big goal for this week is the, is that consistency and to be able to, to continue to narrow things down to the to the areas where they can really, you know, which they've shown we've got enough on film now to know what we can, you know, do well. Uh, just got to continue to improve, try to throw the football better, got to be able to continue to run the football better. Uh, did Did... A little bit of both of those things on Saturday, uh, not consistently enough to be able to get where we want to be. And then you think about Dexter, you know, to me, he's progressing and uh, he'll be a guy that's uh, uh, each week has is, is grown in his ability to be ready. And so that's even more so this past weekend. And he obviously dressed and was ready to be in an emergency situation if need be. And so, yeah, he's getting closer and closer.
12: When you look at the second half struggles, I guess last Saturday, but also kind of throughout the last few years, is there anything you can kind of single out? Maybe that, you know, it, it's not like every game is the same problem, but is there maybe one thing you can point to that maybe keeps on showing up each week for some of these second half
6: struggles that you've had?
3: Well, the ones here, you know, recently, you know, I would say, you know, just really, you know, when you go through and you watch, especially you take about the defense. So um, it was some critical, we talk critical mistakes and critical downs, you know, really to me kind of jumped out to us on Saturday. And, uh, um, with, and then the positive things you do prior to that get negated, you know, when you make a mistake and you don't contain the quarterback on a critical third down or, or, you, you know, DB comes off a receiver when he's scrambling and, and, uh, leaves this guy, you know, open or you don't make a proper check adjustment, you know, when they, you know, line up in a certain formation I and mean, they, they're going fast. I, I think one thing is, you know, you, you got a lot of, you know, continue. I know we're second half of the season now, but you still had, you know, we went through and in our base package, you know, 10 of our 11 guys that, that played on Saturday had never played at Michigan before, you know, nine of 11 in our in our uh, sub package. And so it's a lot of guys with a lot of new faces, a lot of new opportunities, a lot of new individuals in those moments. And there's several on offense as well, you know. So I think just the consistency of that ex- execution at critical times when, you know, teams do things that maybe it's a little different than you expect or you go through and try to make those adjustments at halftime and make sure that everybody that's the ones and the twos all, you know, get those same adjustments and are able to execute those And because you never know who's going to be in there in those certain plays. So I just think to continue to grow that, uh, just got to continue to adapt to that. So I think as we continue to, to focus on how, what can we do to, to simplify and still not be You know, too simple to where you guys can't give multiple looks to the opponents on both sides of the ball. So it comes back to us, you know, as coaches continuing to streamline what we do, I think, in a lot of ways and be able to help our guys, you know, finish better. Obviously, it gets a team like that that makes you pay right away for a mistake is costly without question and then it gets that momentum and it kind of works against you. There's a window of time in that second quarter where it kind of, you know, things, you know, shifted against us and we weren't able to stop that, you know. So, but at the same time, you know, um, some of those were self-inflicted. Some of those things are just tough calls that go against you or whatever, however that works out, and you got to be able to respond, you know. So, but at the same time, to me, it's learning and growing from that and being able to recognize we have a lot of football ahead of us, and we absolutely do, and that's the whole focus for me, is being able to adjust things, adapt to what we're going to be able to do, uh, make some decisions, maybe some, make some hard decisions, and then go with it and roll with it and let our guys go play because I think we've shown enough glimpses of things that we can become, and it has to be consistent, and that's going to be the focus on both sides of the ball and the special teams.
0: You mentioned mistakes defensively. Some of those mistakes seem like they might be Do you believe there's a trust issue with the defense? Because it seems that oftentimes those mistakes are coming when guys are trying to do other people's jobs than worrying about themselves.
3: Yeah, I think there was, you know, we we targeted three or four guys that we felt like, um, you know, had not been in that kind of maybe big moment stadium situation and tried to do way too much, you know, just do your job. You know, and I think there's no question. I don't know if it's so much necessarily – trust of the guy around you or I'm trying to make more plays myself you know and 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 you you trust the system if I just do my job those plays will come to me you know and I think that's a real you know a challenge you know I think you got a mindset of hey you know I want to do this to be able to create you know future things for myself and and that's great but when you play within the system and you do your job those plays come to you I believe and so Convincing a young guy of that is part of our responsibility and also convincing new guys of that that haven't been here For a long time to to, to understand that and to trust that part of the system And so because I think the guys have done a good job We we prepared well last week. I thought we practiced well had a good walkthroughs good focus prior to that But you're right when you get in that moment Can I just trust the system enough to say if I do my job? I'll make the plays I'm supposed to make, and then the team will have great success. So I I do think that's a good way to, to, to phrase that.
6: Uh, Tom, it seemed like for the first few weeks of the season, the offensive line had kind of made some pre- some positive steps for, uh, coming out of last season. At the midpoint of this year now, I guess, what do you feel like you and Coach Bostad are getting out of that group?
3: Well, I want to see it continue to elevate, you know, for sure. Um, I do think that uh, Matt Bedford probably played his best game, you know, this past weekend. So seeing growth there, getting him healthier all the time. And as a collective group, uh, as they continue to mesh and gel and, and work together. So obviously going against really good fronts and going to go against another really good front this week and and so just got to continue to to develop and I think even just kind of made some you know adjustments and try to add some things to, to, to what we want to become you know up front even in the run game and saw some positive returns on that we want to keep building off of that and uh, obviously the second half of the season needs to be their best you know and so we've had a chance to kind of get those guys solidified in where they're at and where they're playing in those consistent spots and I want to see them you know take these next six games and allow us to to really be um, a unit that's on the rise uh, and because that's really going to be the key for us on both sides of the ball. D-line, O-line continue to, as we got a lot of new faces on D-line this year, and O-line's now had a chance to be together for several games and have that continuity, and so I expect them to continue to play better and better. So, uh, obviously, who you play has a big say-so in that, and uh, bottom line is we got to do a continuously good job as a staff of just fundamentals and techniques, Things we do well, keep building off of that. And to me, that's going to be the focus this whole week and these last half of our season.
9: Tom, the uh, uh, Aaron Casey going into the season, there's a lot of expectations on his performance.
12: He certainly has played well. Um, can you just talk about the way he has played and, and what you're getting from him? Yeah, he's, uh, he continues to be one of our leaders um, that,
3: that we need. To continue to step up and, and play well, lead well, um, he's continues to make plays at critical times for us to, to get a key tackle for loss. He had a couple of sacks, uh, just uh, caused a fumble that we didn't get. We had two fumbles, we didn't get either one of those. But uh, just um, has a great passion for what he does. Uh, love his consistency. Love how he practices. Uh, the way he handles himself. Uh, I can guy I can pull aside, talk to about when the guys come off the field or even during the week, and and just uh, you know a guy that that knows who we are, believes in who we are, and it's uh, just been here as we've known. We've talked about his growth and, and what he's become, and so I just want to, once again, just, you know, I'm challenging our guys. We want to continue to be a, a unit, so we want the linebackers to be a unit that's, that's on the rise. We want our defense to be able to make some adjustments here, uh, and uh, uh, when you play against... You know, an offense of that caliber with that elite of a quarterback, you know, you gotta be, you gotta be darn near perfect, and or else he'll make you pay. So those linebackers, they gotta own that to get everybody lined up right and checks and adjustments, and and he's doing a lot of good things with that. We just gotta continue to get the whole group to play. His level of consistency and his level of execution each and every week. So, uh, you got to have great linebackers, and I think uh, he's a very, very special one for sure. And I want to see him have you know his best next six games as he finishes out his you know the final phase of the regular season of his career. here.
8: This might be a question more about Taven than than Brendan. Um, uh, do you worry about kind of the? last seven games kind of impacting his confidence or development kind of going forward with having gone back and forth and maybe having him look over his shoulder. Do you worry about that lingering going forward? How has kind of the, the psyche of that room been, you know, kind of the last couple of weeks in particular?
3: Yeah, I man. I think that, uh, you know, the goal obviously would be to you, know, you pick a guy and, and uh, every game, he just, just continues to improve and grow. And, and uh, so, um, Obviously, at every position, if you have a guy that that uh, is continuing to do that, then, you know, that progresses the way you'd like for it to be. And, and if that's not, then you may make a change, you know. And so bottom line is, is that that position, I get adds a little more, you know, to it. There's a lot, lot of pressure on it, a lot of, you know, expectations. And that person is, uh, you know, different than every other spot, I understand. And so – but – everybody has to perform as well and so whoever that is and I want those guys to know that and yeah there's no doubt they feel that pressure and you don't want any any guided position to look over your shoulder but you also have to look forward and and uh you know make plays and, and be a guy that's doing the things that you need to do for whatever position is you know and so bottom line is is that uh you know I want those guys to to feel that they have to embrace that and want that and and be able to to do everything they can and to, to, to play their best on game day and so at the end of the day, it's performance-based assessment, you know, and so trying to do a great job with that and allowing them to, to be able to grow and develop. and uh, But we have to evaluate it and make decisions from there. So whoever the guy is and how that moves itself forward is the fact that we want to make sure those guys understand the game plan, execute the game plan, and, uh, um, you know, put the team, you know, as, as, a, as, as a coach does and as a player does in that position, that it has to be able to to rise up and, and take on that responsibility. And so uh, obviously it's a tough position to play and you get a lot of, a lot of scrutiny, good and bad, and uh, you have to be able to, to handle all that and the absent and flows of, of that position and what it demands. And so uh, I think that's something and that they're both young and so that's not easy to do without question. But at the same time, you know, we spend a lot of time with those guys and, and uh, I feel like that they're mentally in a good place, you know, but uh, there's at the same time you want to make sure that they continue to play, you know, better each week and that's the goal for that position and all our positions
1: so Tom Allen not quite ready to make a call on who his starter will be moving forward Soresby or Jackson says we will make a decision but not right now both quarterbacks have made mistakes it's about protecting the football moving the ball downfield the guy they pick will be the quarterback moving forward for the rest of the year easy to say now of course things change as the situation changes What a comeback for Rutgers. Scarlet Knights didn't look good early. Down 24-6 going into the fourth quarter. Rutgers outscores Michigan State 21-0. couple of huge special teams plays in that fourth quarter as the Scarlet Knights come back to win it 27-24. That is win number five this season. The emotions clear to see on Greg Ciano's face. His team now one win away from bowl eligibility. And they will try to pick up that win this week, the rest of the schedule in November, awfully daunting, making this Saturday's matchup in Bloomington against Indiana all that more important for Shiano and the Scarlet Knights. Let's head to the banks. Here is the Rutgers head coach.
13: Big week. Looking forward to going out to Indiana. Um, I've had a chance to watch them now some last night and today. Um, you know, they, they have a good football team. You look at the, the four teams they've lost to, combined they've lost three games the whole season. So, I mean, you look at the way they, they played University of Michigan, um, you look at the way they played against Ohio State, Louisville, I mean they're, they're a good football team that has come up short a little bit. You know, it, it just read where Coach Allen said they're gonna set, settle on one quarterback and stick with him. So, um, there's some things that we're not sure of. There's some things that we know we have to get ready for and, uh, and we're gonna do that. So, with that I'll open up for questions.
12: The, the quarterback situation, what do you see from those, those two guys on the film that they've been kind of rotating through?
13: Well, they're both really good players. Um, they both can throw it very well. They're both athletic. Um, I don't know. It's going to be a challenge, whoever lines up back there. But knowing well, you know, who starts the game, that'll be the guy, then we just got to be ready for both.
6: they are in a bit of a similar situation as you guys were last year in the sense of rotating quarterbacks. They fired their offensive coordinator at the bye week. What do you remember, what were the challenges of that experience that you remember from last year? And is there anything you could take from that experience to your advantage this week, game playing against them?
13: No, I think every situation is totally unique and totally different. And without being there, I have no idea what their situation is. So, um, no, I really don't think I
0: can. Kalman okay, guy this is leading the Big Ten in rushing. Was that... Did you expect that coming into the season, or is that a little bit of a surprise to you?
13: Well, it's not a surprise that he's doing well. I mean, you never know how it's going to pan out, right? But I think what Kyle is a great represent representation of is this is his fourth year in the program. He's developed year after year. He's gotten stronger. He's gotten better as a football player. He's matured, and now he's... a. Uh, you know he's a grown man playing running back you know and i look back at over the history of the program whether it was ray rice or it was brian leonard or it was pop you know very very aggressive physical backs downhill backs that run violently and he fits you know right into that category of guys that as they developed became more and more violent downhill runners
1: uh, coach i know you've had some different looks uh, on the offensive line in terms of personnel as the season has gone on what do you make
0: of how that group has been able to sort of get into a rhythm you know, with those changes and just how they've progressed uh, as the season has gone on?
13: I don't know if the rhythm has anything to do with it. I think what's happening is cumulative repetitions is starting to take a hold, and we're getting better. It's slow progress, but we are getting better. And as I've said, it's just got to continue. And there's some guys that are right on the cusp behind them, You know, young guys that are figuring out how to play. So uh, it's definitely arrow up, but it's it's not as fast as I'd like it to be. But you know that's life.
10: What kind of
6: progress or maybe a step of maturity have you seen with this team in the way that in a, in a game, maybe things aren't going a certain the way that you want it to. It looks like things are getting out of control, but they're kind of able to put the brakes on and get back onto, on track. I mean, because last season, obviously sometimes things had a tendency to spiral a little bit. But it seems yeah,
13: like- I think it's leadership. I think the leadership, uh, again, they keep talking about it, and I don't want to bore you, but it's, it's that pipeline. And now we have more guys towards the back end of the pipeline that have been in the program for three and a half years, understand the culture inside out, have paid the price, you know, off season, spring, summer, and then in season. And the cumulative effect, those cumulative repetitions, not only of game reps and practice reps, but the winter program and all those things that make you mentally tougher, physically stronger. Um, So when, when push comes to shove, those guys got to lead the program, right? There's a bunch of young guys that, that are playing out there. They don't know. So who do they follow? They follow the leaders. And uh, we, we have some guys right now that I'm really encouraged when our guys follow them.
7: I know the answer to this question is probably chop, but coming off an emotional week and just getting the team to focus, how do you do that just given everything that went into Saturday's game?
13: Uh, you throw the, you throw the Indiana tape on all three phases and that gets your attention in a hurry. You know, you look at first off, Tom Allen is an excellent football coach. I've known Tom for a while now. He's he's a great coach. He's a great person in his program. Um, you know, I, I know Rod Carey, who's now the offensive coordinator is an excellent coach. The line coach, Bob Bostad was my line coach down in Tampa. So, uh, they're a well coached football team. You know Tom. Tom's so heavily involved in the defense, and you can see it. Um, you know, it's just they make you really check every box in your preparation because they bring pressure from everywhere. They bring line movements that are hard to block. They brush secondary guys, uh, you know, and they have good players. Like their D-line is a unique. Seven of the eight too deep are transfer guys. And, you know, you look at it and you say, well, when I heard that, I read it before. I always read the write-up, before I throw the tape on. I read the write-up. I expected to see a disjointed group, you know, all that just came together. Far from it. They look like they've been coached by the same coach for a long time. They all play with pad level, they're stout. Um, then, you know, um, Casey, 44, he's one of the, you know, he's one of the top five linebackers in the, in the league. You know, how do you rank him? There's a lot of good linebackers, including ours in this league, but uh, he's really good. He's strong. He's fast. He's tough, instinctual. And then the secondary has a bunch of first-year starters, but they are playing well together. Uh, whoever, whoever's coaching that group is doing a great job. I, I'm not that familiar with exactly how their staff works, but I think it all comes back to Coach Allen. He runs that defense, and, and uh, I've seen him. When I was d- down in Tampa, he was down at South Florida. And I was uh, I was doing TV at the time, and I went over to watch one of their practices, and I didn't know Tom Allen from a hole in the wall, and I just watched him coach. I said that guy, he's he's really good. You could see it back then, and well, it would have been 2014. Uh, was the first time I saw him, but um, yeah. The, and then offensively, Rod Carey, you know, he's a seasoned coach, been a head coach at two different places, and uh, he's an Indiana guy, Indiana grad. Um, You can see already in just one game, they had a bye week in one game, but you can see some of the stuff he used to do at Northern Illinois, some of the stuff at Temple. um, And, you know, it's mid-season, so how much you're really going to be able to change. But you can see his influence. So, so, uh, again, I think uh, player-wise, their center is number 50. is a really good player. Um, The receiver, number six, I think his name's Camper. Yeah, it is Camper. He, he he really catches your eye when you're watching him. And then their old quarterback, McCulley, number one, is playing wide out, and he's a big athlete. So there's a lot of things that you have to defend offensively, schematically, and then personnel-wise. So how do you get their attention? Throw that tape on and point those things out and say, look, we're going on the road, and it's going to be a challenge. You go on the road in the Big Ten, right, and uh, against a good, well-coached, talented football team, we, we got our hands full. and. Uh, We're going to have to have a great week of preparation because they they do challenge you many ways, schematically as well as physically.
1: Coach, um, your team so far this year has uh, outscored opponents 79 to 34 in the fourth quarter. What do you think the key is to having those kinds of strong finishes to games so far?
13: You know, I I think you you can draw anything you want, you know, so you can write the story wherever you want. I don't know that that ever adds up to are we in better shape than the other guys? I think every game takes on a life of its own. I've told you that guy, I've told you guys that. And you know, it just seems like some of our games have taken on that, that story. But the guys who are making that story happen are our players. So I'm proud of them being able to do that. But that means nothing in this Indiana season, right? All, all it can do is it can mean confidence that we've done it before, but it doesn't mean it's gonna happen again. You have to go make it happen again. And that's one of the things, you know, to your point is You have to chop this moment. We have an opportunity to go to Indiana and be 1-0 at the end of that, that Indiana season. And we have to stay focused on that all week. We have to stay focused when we get on that plane to go out there and throughout until we get back on that plane.
6: All season, week in
12: and week out. I mean, how big has his return been for this defense and just kind of what have you seen from the way he's been able to do this consistently?
13: I think Mo's doing a great job, just like uh, you said. And I think what it does is it gives us real depth at the linebacker position. You know, instead of guys playing 70, 80, 90 plays, they're playing 50, 48, 52, and they're splitting those reps. And over time, that adds up. You know, we're, we're playing our eighth straight week. Now, the two teams we just played had buys before us. This team had a buy a week ago, and we're going on our eighth straight week. If you don't have depth like that, uh, I think those, you know, that week after week takes its toll. I think it still is taking its toll, but uh, that helps for sure.
6: For the majority of the time that the Big Ten East has been a thing, uh, it seems like it's been Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, and then the rest of the division. Do you view games
2: against teams like Indiana, Michigan State, Maryland, as an opportunity of, you know, establishing the
6: pecking order, put, having Rutgers climb up the hierarchy of the division? Do you view that at all as an opportunity to uh, elevate Rutgers in, in that sense against the rest of the division?
13: I don't think of any of it that way. I think about can we win this game? I think all those things. I think your job as a reporter is to think of that stuff, and I think it's great because that's what you, you do if I get caught up in that stuff, I'm focusing on the wrong things. If I let my team get caught up in that, I think we're focusing on the wrong things. Because we can't control anybody else. But what we can't control is how hard we work, how disciplined we live, how we study, all those things. How we take care of our academics, you know, what kind of people we are on and off the field. Like That, to me, is what we have to focus on. And I think the rest takes care of itself. And that's just the only way I've ever done things. Um, again, I've said it to you, and you may think I'm you know, downplaying it, but I think if you think of things the other way, it gets too big. It's too much of a, a burden. I mean, if you just keep it simple and, you know, this is what we got to do right now, I think it helps everybody involved.
1: College Park side of one of the best games of the weekend. Illinois has been struggling, but picked up the kind of win that could turn things around for Brett Bielema's team late in the season. Caleb Griffin with a walk-off game-winning 43-yarder. As the Illini shock Maryland during homecoming on the road to pick up maybe the biggest win of the season for the Illini win to start the year over Toledo and then you see four losses in five games for Brett Bielema's team including a really disheartening loss to Nebraska to be able to bounce back with a win over Maryland and now an important game one that a lot of believe a lot of folks believe Bielema always has circled on his calendar as Wisconsin comes into Champaign to take on Illinois this coming weekend. We take you to Champaign right now. Here is Coach Bielema.
10: Yeah, just a couple updates. Um, uh, From an injury standpoint, uh, Keith Randolph and and Reggie are making progress. Uh, We'll see where they're at. They haven't been cleared yet, but uh, hopefully get there by game time. Malik Elsey, I think, will practice with us tomorrow. Uh, And then really, Tariq Barnes and and, uh, uh, Geske both really got cleared last Thursday or Friday, literally right before. Uh, uh, our, our trip over there, so that's why we took them. But they really hadn't got reps for two weeks, so uh, they'll be fully engaged in the game plan, game plan this week. And then, I know a couple of you guys probably have asked. Uh, uh, um, uh, Caden obviously uh, uh, came out of the game at the end, but he had he had no issue, just uh, <clears throat> full go for practice for us uh, moving forward. So really, from the game, it came out pretty healthy, uh, to be quite honest. Got got a couple guys uh, uh, back for this week, which is always good. Um, uh and and uh see where they're at obviously this wisconsin team has transitioned a lot you know we've had several rematch games uh, purdue nebraska were both rematch games but new staffs, right so this is another rematch game but obviously a totally different uh makeup kind of what we saw from a year ago there is some carryover on the defense side of the ball but offensively uh, obviously new personnel uh running back obviously but um uh, personnel used in different ways so this is kind of a totally uh, new New opponent in that regard, so I'm excited to get back here in Memorial, and uh, this is our eighth week, right? So there's some things that we started doing last week in practice. I thought our guys really responded well. I did some things Saturday, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday last week to kind of increase their mental reps and decrease their physical reps and obviously played a four-quarter game and played really strong at the end. So uh, we'll mirror some of that coming forward this week and uh, um, go forward. So with that, uh, congratulations to Seth and uh, Caden, two guys get Big Ten Player of the Week. I think that's a huge deal and uh, very well deserved. I thought uh, uh, I asked Brett after the game, are we going to nominate uh, uh, um, uh, Caleb uh, for the walk-off field goal or, or uh, Isaiah for the two punt returns and then uh, had the uh, uh, Penn State kid get two punt returns for touchdowns. So I understand why he got it. And uh, uh, obviously the punter uh, for Iowa going over 400 yards is a special treat. So um, too bad for those two guys that couldn't get special teams play of the week, but very well deserved. Sure.
5: Every week is the same for you guys but what's the key as a coaching staff when you do win what do you emphasize to sustain yeah
10: um really the stay status quo our, our our schedule for uh sunday uh really remains the same Win or lose, i might tweak it you know just because of the number of reps in a game um like the amount of uh, uh time that we devote to the opponent versus the upcoming opponent but we pretty much uh every sunday kind of put the game to bed win or lose and then uh, uh have a brief dinner break we did have a victory meal which is I think our guys really enjoy, and I know coaches enjoy as well, and then uh, jumped into our preparation for Wisconsin. Sometimes we'll take them out on the field, depending on kind of where we are injury-wise and everything, but uh, for the most part, that that Sunday, the reason we do that is to really win or lose, you flush it and move on, and I want them to hear walking out of the building on Sunday night nothing but our next opponent, which obviously was Wisconsin, so they turn the page, and then today is a day off, but we see a lot of our kids come through, watch film, uh, get early game plan thoughts, and and obviously come over and get a lot of treatments. Some of our guys do a voluntary lift on Monday as well.
0: What changed for your flipped in that timeout to go from calling field goal before
10: half two, to going? The, uh, the confidence in my coaches, uh, Barry Lummy uh, I, I asked him if he felt good about the call, and he immediately answered, said he felt, felt great with the call. Um, uh, all the offensive coaches felt that way. And then, you know, what we there was a little bit of a three-headed monster going into that that little scenario, right? We got really close on the pass play, so we were trying to get a, a, a read from the officials on on whether or not uh, the ball was crossed. They've gotten really hairy uh, this year about um, coaches leaving the box. I was trying to get down there to ask the question, and the clock was running, and I had one timeout to use, obviously. So um, a little bit of that going on with in addition to if it was short, do we want to go for it, do we want to kick the field goal? Uh, and then obviously when they called timeout, that kind of cleared everything up for us and let us let us go to that moment
7: short yardage so yeah. there, that we talked a lot about these said wings there, is there any confidence carry over your offense kinds coaches
10: well um, you know you go back to last Sunday um, uh, I had a meeting I always you know meet with both sides of the ball we meet it as a staff and then I'll sit down and one of the things I direct staff last Sunday was we were going to put in our instead of having Wednesday be our third down third and short and fourth and short install I moved it to, to Monday and then we wrapped it Tuesday Wednesday Thursday uh, and obviously the first third and one was on the very first First drive that converted, and then obviously the next play was a touchdown. And I and I made a big deal of that Sunday night in my presentation to the team about how we win games, and a lot went into that prep, and a lot went into the results.
8: Do the you know maybe more mental reps, a little fewer physical reps. Is it always? I mean, are you always looking at that point of the season, or do you adjust for um, the team or schedule?
10: Or? Yeah, I think as a head coach, is one of the, one of the things that I <laughs> I think it, like today. Uh, um, Uh, I had three sheets laying in front of me of kind of a tomorrow's practice schedule and I'd kind of gone back and forth several times with what I wanted to do was trying to tweak it between uh, a a certain number of periods and a certain number of walkthrough periods and and Mark Torreson, our chief of staff, he came in and I think he saw all three sheets and I kind of went with one, Um, but I modeled it a lot off of what we did last year in week eight uh, a little bit. There's a little bit of carryover from where you've done things in the past, but really it's about this year's team, right? And Uh, Last year and last week in particular, we had those uh, two freshman running backs. We knew they were going to be probably the guys on Saturday, so we wanted to get a lot of good early down reps with them. So we kind of increased the number of early down reps and minimized the number of uh, um, uh, third down reps that they took. So uh, it's a little bit of give and take each week, to be quite honest. But, yes, you do all year long kind of taper as you get going. Um, And then, obviously, coming out of bye week, we'll we'll use a little bit different schedule because we'll get an extra day of preparation or a couple days of preparation for that as well.
3: Yeah, the game, the game plan, and really the execution offensively is it was that more indicative of the identity that you want to have as an offense?
10: Are you talking about this past week? Yeah. Well, anytime you have success, that's an easy answer, right? Um, but I, I do think uh, you know uh, Barry in particular like felt really good going into the game. Uh, talked about things the week after that, obviously out of the, out of the Nebraska game, and I think early on we kind of uh, you know the way Reggie was moving around. And obviously, we knew we weren't going to have Josh. I said, hey, let's just go with a game plan that we're going to have. Uh, Caden and Aiden as the availability, and 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 uh, as the running back tandem, and, and let's go from there. We devise a game plan, and anytime he game for uh, 12 yards on the first play, uh, you know it was a pretty pretty uh, impactful play, and then had a nice mix on, on that first series of some run and pass, and then I think the third and one to convert it into the touchdown. On the next play really had a, a huge part, and then we uh, scored on on series one, six, seven, and eight uh, of 12 series. Right, so. Uh, six was the one right at the end of the half, obviously, that it resulted. And that was directly um, from a guy of ours stripping the ball out. Um, Canena recovered it. And then we had an end of half series. And then we came out and double dipped. Uh, and I, and I kind of knew, Lox, like we've said, we I knew they put a huge emphasis. They, he comes from this game. Same uh, 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 coaching tree as I about, you know, kind of the Belichick, uh, sabin double dipping. That's a that's a big thing with those guys. And I knew what I was trying to do. And I also knew what they were trying to do.
4: No, Wisconsin is the focus,
10: of course. Mm-hmm. But you got five conference games left. A lot of things still available to you. Should guys, talk about that at all. As you know, a team? Yeah, yeah, I think. But anytime on Sundays, you know, as a head coach, I usually, uh, I, 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 at the end, zone in on what we're doing. But I do take a picture about where we're at, what we're doing, whether it's win or lose. We talk about it. Um, uh, I think that where we're at right now, you know, to be a three and four football team, I was more emphasis on what we got to do to take care of this week than anything else. Um, Kind of like when we're in that little bit of a stretch of, of, of adversity, too. Like the best thing you can do is focus on the now, uh, and that gets you to where you want to be.
8: Times on Saturday, What's that? 30 times on Saturday where the guy who touched the football on offense, the center the quarterback, the
13: skill guy was not more than 20 years old. Hmm. Um, do you think about the, the youth that you have right now? And I know you have a standard
10: for That's a great, great PFF stat, have. You had to research that. You had to do some work on that.
8: Uh-huh. But I know you have a standard for you, you want them in week eight, but. Is there excitement about where they can be? I think, I think
10: it was very apparent to me, right, um, uh, when we got into fall camp. I, I remember, I think I said this in here, you know, we got a room of 120 guys and 40 of those guys have never been with us before, right? And uh, really about half of our travel roster is, is all new, right? As many veteran players as we had coming back, you know, you take a guy like Miles Scott who'd been with me for two years, but this is his first year at free safety. And there's just little things like that that uh, in, in retrospect, you know, I, I needed to, uh, be a lot cleaner about how we approach the game and how we teach it and what we do. Um, I think that's a, a balance that you always got to be aware of as a head coach, but we do have a lot of youth that's playing extremely well. I tell you what, to see uh, Dylan Rosiak play the way he has the last couple of weeks, uh, Kanena Olaga, um, you know, he made a recovery there at the end of half. That that, that end of half drive never happens if, I, I can't tell you who stripped it. Um, Taz says he does it. Uh, 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 Johnny said he did it. And, and Dylan Rosiak said he did it. So regardless, the ball came out and then you know that big man was jumping on it, and you see Kaneda just literally. If you zoom in on that, it's it's amazing that he gets that ball out of there, and he's just got a kind of a knack for that. Um, Dylan Rosiak on the, on a the second and nine on that last series. You know he's one on one with a quarterback out in the flat, and he gets him down. Um, uh, there's a play. You know when they threw to uh, the quarterback on kind of the reverse throwback there. You know I remember somebody on the headset goes it's wide open, and I said Miles is there, and Miles took a sideline skinny, which we practiced that probably six to seven times during fall camp, and he just t- 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 got him down, and three plays later, they're punting, you know? So there's so many tangible, fundamental things that our young players are doing well. Uh, sometimes you got to live through some things that you're going through it, but uh, I'm also excited, you know, Johnny and Keith. Obviously, Keith missed last week, but those two guys are probably playing as good a football as I've seen them play. Uh, to see Seth Coleman come along and, 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 you know, have the production, he actually just literally got a text from OC. Uh, I think somebody tweeted it that, that hadn't been done uh, since... Uh, OC had done it, so OC <laughs> he sent that text to me with some uh, some wise jokes. Uh, so I just, it, it, it's fun to see the growth of some of these guys continue to get better and better. Alec Bryan is playing really, really well. Uh, um, Gabe had a really good week of practice. I, I thought he was going to kind of have one of those games. I think when he missed that sack early, that kind of frustrated him a little bit. He's so bound up. Uh, but Gabe is really, truly playing pretty good against the run, better than he's ever played. Not the production, but uh, that stuff will come.
0: From mm-hmm. 15, and I'm just wondering how Casey Washington in particular has stepped into you race. know it, it
10: I would say that he's probably one of the most in my opinion uh uh shining examples of someone that's really literally came from uh, when we started here well obviously he left and came back but uh you know my first year you know he's battling out some PT time with with Hightower a little bit you know and there was kind of that some going back and forth and um you know I really thought last spring his 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 game really took a big jump and I Began to talk to him about, hey, you've been through this a lot. Why don't you continue to express your voice? Because he's very intelligent, very well-spoken. Mom and dad have raised a great kid. Like, just really uh, – and, and and it was interesting. On Sunday, like, I was – most of the time for me, um, I always tell our coaches and I tell our players, I, I coach with my back to the bench, right? So, that's a purposeful thing that I do that I've done that my entire career. I don't turn around much. When I turn around, it's to speak and say something. But most of the time, I keep my back to the bench because – I have a coach uh, I, my responsibility I think is to manage the game like i I can't I, I don't i don't I can't imagine these coaches that don't wear headsets or don't stay engaged with what's going on because I literally you know click over and tell defensive things that are going on offense vice versa so it's very seldom as a hey coach you get to turn around obviously during breaks there's a difference but uh, I said, hey is there any any voices on Sunday you know that anybody'd like to talk about or be out and literally like three or four of my coaches both sides of the ball at the same time said Casey Washington was unbelievable and and you can just see the confidence ooze out of him. There's a connection between him and Luke. Um, you know, that same play was literally the drive that uh, the, the, it, was, it wasn't the same because the defense played a little bit different, but that same play that he caught at the end of the game, he caught at the end of the half, uh, which gave us a big game as well. So um, but just, just a, lot of, a lot of confidence in that young man
5: set a tone there early and and throughout the game what have you noticed just personnel wise about that group generally you know uh,
10: practice does make a difference to be quite honest and and zy that was the first time he had literally completed a week of practice in in the all of fall camp uh zy probably played his best game that he's played since he's been here um so for him to take a step forward you know julian's always played pretty good um you know hunter you know got better i do think guests will be back with us this week uh uh, uh, Josh made a m- noticeable improvement from the last game to this game, so yeah, there's definitely some positives uh, that are coming forward. And I think you know Isaiah Adams, every every game he gets at right tackle is just making him improve. So uh, we we worked Tanner Arkin. I'm sure you saw that in the mix a little bit, and he was a nice addition uh, in our 12 personnel and then 13 as well. So uh, yeah, we're getting some doing faces in there and doing a good job. Double- that-
8: tip, you know, Barry said you know, he didn't have the percentage on the top yeah. if you get it. Pretty good chance going to win. Yeah, if you
10: double dip, and really, if you just think about the pure math of it, like if you think about different football games you've either watched or been a part of, and if the offense scores two times without the defense going on the field, it's usually a turnover, a sudden change, right? That's how it normally happens. People don't notice it much, and because there's a halftime and a band in between, and you know, a, a, a trip to the soda stand, right? Like, like, but that's exactly what happens if you watch a game where an offense scores. And before their other, the other offense takes the field, you get another score. It usually changes the momentum of a game, and that's kind of what it is.
3: Zach, Zach took to the game. Do you know what his
10: status is? Oh, yeah, Zach. Um, yeah, his was a chest. Um, all the x-rays are negative. He's just a little bit sore, but we, we do expect him to be back out there. Um, um, if not this week, he'll be back after the, after the uh, bye week.
1: For you personally, heading into Wisconsin, is there still any emotion, or is it different now that you kind of got the reunions out of
10: the way? For me, with, it, with Wisconsin coming here? Um there's always, you know, it was nine years of my life. I uh, uh, got married in Madison. I um, have a lot of uh, coaches that are on that staff that, you know, that uh, are, you know, not so much now, but um, they're, they're always going to be those things. But it, it literally vanished as soon as I left there. Like, it just, I'd, I'd been through it before a couple other times. So uh, just have a, you know, Luke and I have known each other for a long time. I have a lot of respect for him. Uh, don't know a lot of his coaches, but uh, obviously uh, a guy that uh, has uh, built, uh, uh, a lot of tradition. What he did at Cincinnati, he's continued forward there. So, uh, yeah, just just a lot of respect more than anything. Without Keith on Saturday, Keith
13: on Saturday what did you get out of
10: your defense? Yeah, I thought Johnny. You know, he kind of took into that role, um, played him kind of in that position. Uh, Bryce Barnes did a nice job. I thought Sid McConnell has just continued to really get a lot better every time. Denzel Daxon, another guy showed up. Alex Bray. Um, uh, we had Pat Farrell there. He didn't get in there, but Pat Farrell had a nice week of work. But I, I think, for, in particular, I think Bryce and and uh, said really jump forward you know johnny just continues to be very impressive and uh i didn't realize his whole recruiting thing that I'd, i found out about that midway through the week that he had committed there and all that goes into it so uh, i know it was, a, it was a fun week for all those guys i, I think they really just enjoyed the game uh, uh from a to z and obviously uh it, that'll carry forward hopefully in our prep against wisconsin Thank you guys.
7: obviously like pre scouting work. Uh, yeah. but what are the logistics when their quarterback gets
4: knocked
5: out yeah. the week before? How do you, what is the early part of the You season? know, so I had
10: watched a lot of North Carolina film specifically, right? Uh, obviously uh, uh, during the spring and during the summer and, and uh, just trying to get a feel for uh, Longo. And, and uh, you know, obviously that was a different quarterback, right? So I kind of had looked at it through that perspective. And there, there are some things, obviously, that carry over from there, but they've kind of had their own little Wisco type offense that they got going, I think, which is obviously a big big responsibility on the oc but i can see luke's hands in certain things probably as a defensive guy um uh their quarterback uh uh that came in the game you know he got a lot of he got i mean obviously he's a new quarterback but he's had you know experience and he also um you know got a lot entire second half you know he's got a really a good feel for the game um obviously with the running backs when they're running the way they have um that that takes a lot of pressure off them and i think they're they're very good uh up front and, and on the perimeter they got some choices so uh, but I think anytime you're breaking a new quarterback, there's going to be that under that that, that get-to-know-you period. That, that I think uh, uh, as coaches, we have to prepare really for everything because they haven't really showed what they can do. I think he moves really well, better than I thought, uh, or I, you know, uh, he moves better than I had hoped, I guess, uh, and and uh, creates threats in that ball game as well.
5: Run game different in this offense, what's the, the challenge
10: of Braylon Allen? Yeah, you mean from what they've been? Yeah. Well, it's just totally different you know it's it's 11 it's a a lot you know they have smaller personnel on the field um but a lot of the same concepts inside outside zone um uh do some pin pull and some stuff that you know just still carries over um uh, i think offensively you you know you've you've literally seen them kind of change and evolve during the course of the year uh now anytime you play iowa they're a little different right um uh, and uh you know that they present such a challenge defensively. Sometimes the game plan that you see against Iowa can't carry forward to a lot of what they do. Iowa plays a lot of quarters and plays a four down front, which you know for us there's not a lot of carryover into the look. But obviously the Purdue game is a good one for us to take a peek at, and there's some carryover there as well, and uh, even Washington State and some games earlier in the year.
7: I guess, Aaron, one, on. talked about what he's able to do on third down when it's third and six, third and seven. I guess what do you notice out of him as a play caller? Just way your defense connects. <laughs>
10: Yeah. So, you know, I've had a lot of defense coordinators. Uh, I think, I don't know how many I've had now, but, you know, guys that become head coaches, uh, Charlie Partridge, Chris Ash, Dave Dorn, um, and and obviously Ryan. Um, So I've known Aaron in such a different capacity, right? Like, so he literally came to my office last night, I believe, like 1030 or so. And I had like 30 plays. I wanted to show him or whatever. We went through the game and also, I look at the clock and it's 1230, right? And and like you guys sit up here, he can just go, right? Like, because it's, a, uh, when I have an edit, I want to watch with him. I like watching it with just he and I, right? Because I like just, I, I've i been trying to grow him, you know? Like, one of the things that I really like to do is with young new coordinators is kind of, you know, grow them, work them, and, and from a defensive point of view, it's a little bit different than offense. But um, uh, he just can, he can, he can really go right like he can really talk and like so it takes us you know two hours to get through a 30-play edit right because we end up talking about it goes in this direction but what i've noticed out of him a play caller his directness um his assertiveness um we changed some things around last week i took andy boo out of the box and put him on the field and i took antonio uh and grant morgan who's a very talented young coach and put him upstairs and andy had been on the field two years in a row you know uh, uh kevin had always been upstairs right and I really, I thought we, w- I wanted to see things in the back end. I thought Antonio and he gave great insight. Antonio and Aaron, I mean, they have played together, right? So they have a connection. So I really like the way our staff is evolving defensively and getting to know our players. We've made some adaptations, uh, some of the things that we do well, some of the things we haven't done well, uh, taking advantage of, of uh, you know, some personnel, but also not allowing them to take advantage of our personnel, like is a big part. I think one of the things defensively you really have to be aware of more than anything is all, all offensive coaches look for your weakest links, right? They want to look for things they feel they can attack. And when they're doing that, you have to take notice of that because that's what they see, right? I, it doesn't matter what we see. I always tell them, you always got to look at it from an opponent point of view. What are what are they telling you your issues are? And that's what we really hone in on. Thank you.
1: Brad Bielema and the Illini returning home to take on Wisconsin. Bielema says he watched a lot of North Carolina film in the spring to get a feel for former Tario O.C., now Wisconsin O.C., Phil Longo. Anytime you're breaking in a new QB, Bielema said there's going to be that get-to-know-you period. No Tanner Mordecai moving forward for Wisconsin, so Illinois will have to be, quote, prepared for everything. What an amazingly eventful late summer and fall it has been for Northwestern. Obviously, the coaching change to start the year, the Big Ten loss to Rutgers in Game 1. Suddenly, through six games, no one would have expected the Wildcats to be 3-3, three and three, but that's exactly where interim head coach David Braun has this team as they get set for a weekend road trip to Lincoln in a day with the Nebraska Cornhuskers. In advance of that game, we take you to Evanston and listen in to the interim head cat, David Braun.
11: You know, coming off a of bye week, uh, really proud of the way that our guys handled last week. We, we invested in some developmental opportunities for for our entire roster, but specifically our guys that haven't been seeing a ton of in-game reps, which was, you know, an incredible opportunity for uh, us as a coaching staff and and uh, our players to continue to improve and root into techniques and fundamentals, things that we'll need to continue to lean into as we move forward. Uh, ramped up the second half of the week, you know, um, you know, we, we invested the entire week last week in Nebraska prep, but really got an opportunity as the week wore along to really get into more situational football in our ne- Nebraska prep. Uh, and then had an opportunity to have a, have a little bit of downtime over the weekend, and and hopefully use that to uh, you know get our bodies back and and continue to to get as healthy as we can as we as we enter into uh, to the second half of the season. But uh, certainly uh, excited about the opportunity that's ahead for us out in Lincoln. Uh, you know, facing a, a very well coached football team, a team that you know certainly is starting to find its rhythm uh, with an adjustment at the quarterback position, big, uh, athletic well-coached QB that you know is starting to find some rhythm and uh you know a defense that's playing at a really high level so big big challenge for us uh wouldn't want anything less you know in in Big Ten football and excited for the challenge that's that's ahead of us.
0: Coach, two questions for you mostly Do you have an injury update on Ben Bryan, AJ Henning and Jack Lausch?
11: Yeah no we uh we we anticipate that uh that 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 AJ will, will, will be good to go. AJ's been practicing as is Jack. Um, ben continues to progress. Uh, not sure exactly what his status will be come come game time, but but he is progressing, and anticipate that that's something we'll continue to evaluate as the week goes along.
0: Now, six weeks ago, you coach your first Power Five football game, your first game as a head coach at the bye week. What, how do you think you've grown as a head coach in these first in this first half of the season? Oh my gosh,
11: feel feel like I've I've grown exponentially. Uh, Simply through uh, no having no other choice, you know, I mean this, this, this is where your greatest greatest growth comes is in, in, in uh, situations of adversity and and uh, new trials and uh, Certainly a lot of growth still left, but uh, you know, there's there's a great group around me uh, a great locker room of young men And uh, you know, I've, I've really tried to do my best to self-reflect You know each and every day each and every week on areas that I can continue to improve and uh, um you know, excited about where this group is at right now, but but also know that there's a lot of work ahead if we want to achieve the things that we set out to this season.
6: Coach, when you guys go on the road to Lincoln, it's going to be a pretty big crowd, probably the biggest you guys have seen all season, and you coming from an FCS background, just kind of how do you feel like you guys are going to have to adjust to 80,000, 90,000 kind of raring down at you? from?
11: Yeah, you know, it all roots back into our practice prep, and and that's something, you know, even last week, uh, you know, we were pumping crowd noise into all our practices. An opportunity for us, defensively, we don't anticipate that type of crowd noise when we're on the field, but opportunity for us to root into some of our nonverbal communication, getting everybody on the same page, and a great opportunity for our offense to uh, prepare under the the environment that they're going to be playing in on Saturday. Uh, You know, one, one thing I will say is, you know, in my time at North Dakota State, you know, I saw in that dome, 20,000 people right on top of you, the the impact that that can have on an offense um, you know this is certainly at a at a larger stage and you know uh, with with many more fans involved in that process but uh, that, that's something that coach Bajaki and coach Anderson our offense has done a great job of handling in our early days of prep and we'll continue to put them in those stressful situations as we as we move towards Saturday
0: you have a bye week about halfway through your first season as a head coach. of did you take some time to assess how you've performed and what kind of grade would you give yourself so far?
11: Oh shoot. I, I don't know if it's my job to give myself a grade but uh, you know what, what what I will say is it t- took an opportunity to evaluate where we're at in recruiting. you know really excited where, where we're at with, with this class, uh, the commitments that we've held on to and the commitments that we've gained here you know over the course of the last few weeks. I took it as an opportunity to really, uh, you know, dive into self-scout both offensively and defensively and and identify where we have some tendencies and some things that we need to, you know, view ourselves, how our opponent.